Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dax Shepard. I'm joined by Monica Padman. Hi. Hello. We have um, a blast from my past today. This is this is so outrageously fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Mm, Kurt and Wyatt Russell. Father and son. Father and son. Our first father and son duo. Our first, but not to be our last. I hope not. If they go as good as this one did. Yeah. I'm now very open to father and son duos. Kurt Russell, I don't need to tell you about him. I mean, fuck, Kurt Russell, The Thing, Hateful Eight, Escape from New York, fucking... Icon. Icon. My favorite growing up. Snake fucking Pliskins. What a guy. And then, of course, Wyatt Russell, the most beautiful boy who's grown into the most natural and wonderful actor. I'm so happy for him. Uh, Black Mirror, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Under the Banner of Heaven, he was spectacular in my favorite show of last year. And then uh, Night Swim is a new movie that he's got out right this second. And of course, they're here to talk about their new series out on Apple Plus, Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Mm. Oh, was this a party? Such fun. It was. Please enjoy Kurt and Wyatt Russell. We are supported by HelloFresh. You know, there are days when it's really hard to decide what to eat. You stare blankly into the fridge for what feels like hours with no success. And you end up hangry. Well, I've got a solution. HelloFresh, they deliver fresh ingredients and chef-curated recipes straight to your home. And they even take care of the meal planning. I love it because... I always text Callie, what should I eat for dinner? Okay, you ask her a lot. Uh, yeah, because I get stressed and overwhelmed and she doesn't know. And so HelloFresh is so great if I have it because then it's all there. I don't have to make any decisions. Well, what did you get into last night? Ooh, last night I had a, you know, I love prosciutto. Mm-hmm. I had Who doesn't? A, oh, so good. I had a prosciutto wrapped chicken and it had a truffle chive mashed potatoes and Ooh. a lemony broccoli. It was delicious. Oh, my goodness. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DaxFree and use the code DaxFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life. Available for a limited time at HelloFresh.com slash DaxFree with the code DaxFree. We are supported by Celebrity Cruises. On most vacations, you pick a place to go. eat the same food over and over and you lie on the same beach. But with Celebrity Cruises, you can explore a new destination every day across Europe, the Caribbean, or Alaska. You can have it all. An absolutely incredible ship with delicious restaurants, nonstop entertainment, and the best rooms at sea. And now you can book with Celebrity's semi-annual sale. To book, go to Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Offer applies to select sailings. Savings amount varies by destination. Other terms apply. Visit Celebrity.com for details. Ships, registry, Malta, and Ecuador. He's an armchair expert. How's it going? I was looking at his RV and that Lincoln. Did you see that Lincoln? 
Oh yeah, the lake is You and I were just discussing that you don't give a shit about any of this stuff, and then your dad already checked out the whole fleet. Right, right. So fucking yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's got a sprinter. Where is it? Yeah, you didn't mention the sprinter. The sprinter's cool. I mean, there's no car element to it. But it's like set up for overlanding or camping. Yes. My wife and I spent two months when she was pregnant the first time in the van during COVID. We did like the tour of all the national parks and stuff, and it was the greatest thing I ever did. I never would make one of these buys where you go down to Costa Mesa and just some dude who's 21 who like built a van by himself is like, do you want to buy this for a bunch of money? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and now I'm fucking trying to I'd sell it because it's only got two seats. We have to get another one. We're going to have four of us. Pregnant wife. Getting close to deliver? Oh yeah. Because I watched an interview with y'all that happened really recently and they were saying you weren't going to travel for the holidays because it might come. And then I thought my birthday was two days ago. And then when I was watching this interview and I thought, what a blessing if this little guy was born on January 2nd. We yeah. could share a birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you so much. Well, when's, first when's one's December scheduled? 26th, so it was day after. Oh, what a terrible, terrible birthday. And another shit one coming. We woke up day after Christmas on Boxing Day. Everyone's fucking exhausted. Buddy wakes up and it's still dark outside. And we're like, buddy, just to grind it through, we're like, it's your birthday. <laughs> He's three. And he goes, oh, not now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, Get that's, this that's the right response. Yeah. <laughs> played with the shit I got yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because huh. I make an argument that my birthday is the very worst because it's January 2nd. So everyone just made their resolutions. No one wants to drink. No one wants to eat. No one wants to come to your fucking party. They're all partied and socialized out. And you're like, come celebrate. Me. Today is my mom's birthday. Now, she died three years ago, but for all of our lives, January 4th, we always felt like we got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. We got to, you know, come on. Yeah, yeah. And she yeah. was always great about it. She just kind of, ah, don't worry about it. But did she acknowledge it's a shitty birthday? Terrible time. This is worse. 26. 26. It really did feel like tough. the same kind of thing. 26 might be. That's really <laughs> bad. That's number one. If he's anything like me, it would be the best because I fucking hated my birthday. <gasps> Why? I didn't like being the center of attention. Well, and also the pressure that it puts on you. Your friends are coming over. They're expecting a good time. Hated that. That's me too. I love attention, but I panic <laughs> that everyone's going to be bored at my party. Uh, yes. Like I just have no confidence in my ability to host a party. Yeah, none. I luckily married a woman who's the greatest at it. We were talking about that the other day where I was like, if I didn't marry my wife, I'd be a shut-in recluse. I wouldn't yeah. see yeah. anybody. <laughs> it would be awful. I'd be a terrible person. You really need to marry your opposite. Yes. There's a Russell Gene, though, that's really... Telling deep, yeah, it's deep. It's <laughs> a strong. It's a dominant gene. It's a dominant gene. <laughs> My sister Jill, we call her the Herman of Tio. <laughs> she takes it to a good extreme. <laughs> yeah, Kurt, you're like borderline living off grid and eating moose <laughs> bone marrow for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> so here's the weird part of today. I haven't seen Dax for years. It's great to see you. And all I can think of is I'm looking at that T-Rex head there. I'm calling it a T-Rex head. It is. Yes, it is. Yep. that's correct. Because when we worked together on this Monarch show in my RV, there was that exact T-Rex head and it was stolen. No! You son of a bitch! <laughs> you son of a bitch! You got it! Happy Christmas! <laughs> well, the origin of this is that Monica and I want to invest in an actual T-Rex skull, which they're millions of dollars, but we're going to amortize the cost 
by letting people fuck in the mouth of it. We're going to put a bed in there and give them the fuck inside of a T-Rex and yeah. elevate the stakes. You might Wait, get eaten. It classy. It's a sex hotel. It's yeah. Just, yeah. You don't just come so and exactly. right. it's, it's like there's Sorry. amenities and stuff. Sorry. Yeah. Bobby, will you turn me up a hair? I think I have Monica's setting from Synced. Monica likes it nice and soft. Seriously, though, how great is where your life has gone, where you've taken it? You've always been a very talented guy and all that, but to be able to personalize your life that succinctly, congrats, man. Way to go. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's hard to comprehend that it could have worked out the way it did, but I'm sure you have felt that many times throughout your life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Way beyond. Yeah, do you deserve this? How did I get this? Am I going to lose this? It's complex and fucking incredible. I never worry about losing it because I never minded where I was. It's never been bad. I try oh, to remind healthy. myself of that. I'm more excited about this interview than I've been for one in years. <laughs> and I'm telling you the truth because I want to tell you guys what a magical week of my life that was. Uh, I mean, it is in my, like, if I had my top 20 weeks in my life. Great place. Fuck the place. Like, <laughs> hey, yeah, you're right. you yeah. guys, you too, <laughs> Kurt, I had so much goddamn fun with you. It was fun. It really was so fun. fun. And then I'm curious. Yes, I'll tell the whole story. Yeah. It's about at this point, they don't know what exactly. you're talking about. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> For me, it was so special. And then, uh, of course, over the years, I'm like, I wonder if they remember I was even at their house. Oh, totally. <laughs> but yes, when I was dating Kate, I got to come up to y'all's Canada house on the lake in Muskoka. And I had never been there, never met you guys. I get there. It's just a fucking blast every single day. We go out in your old 60s wooden boat. You finally got a gearhead around to talk to. Yeah, right. I yeah, was a libertarian yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me you wandered, son. <laughs> well, listen, we met in 07. Oh, wait, it occurred to me we need some oversight on the finances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> well, that place, they got it when I was 10 and just shaped every great experience that I ever had and it became i think my friends were up there when you were up there yeah we're talking about muskoka canada muskoka canada right. <laughs> a few hours north of toronto Summers? on a what lake is this? it was like augusty i okay. think yeah yeah like late july august we joked that it was like hogwarts if you mm. knew about it you knew since then it's blown up it's become a whole different place but it had a very magical feeling to it because we didn't have tv we didn't really have much internet at the time it wasn't good internet. Cell phones weren't the same. There was no Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. And so you completely left everything behind and you had 14 days or whatever it was to just actually be with the people that you loved and take two or three days of doing that and all of a sudden everything shifts. I totally agree with you. And I would argue that even you and I had more chats yeah. in a week than we would in modern times if we went somewhere for a month. Yes. And it's always like at two o'clock in the morning, two to yeah, five. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, you know, and you're just yeah. sitting in the Muskoka room. You can hear the loons outside and it is magical. Oh, it's And you go so swimming special. in that water. It's medicinal. Every yeah, morning I jumped in and yeah. I fucking swam across yeah. the little bay it's you're just, in. When the water's glass, it's just amazing. Oh, yeah. And so Wyatt, I met you and I was like, this fucking guy's so special and sweet. I guess you hadn't stopped playing hockey yet. No, you hadn't gotten injured yet. yet. Yeah, not yet. So you were playing professional hockey, but you were also really into guitar. You were practicing guitar the whole time. Yeah. And you were like writing songs. Yeah. And you were super interested in that. And I was like, look at this paradox. This dude plays hockey, which is the broiest, toughest thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then he's in the tiny spiritual room of the house working on his folk songs. Uh, yeah. I love that. It was a little difficult because for me, playing hockey, it's a blue collar 
Canadian sport. You know, Michigan, Minnesota, they have their own hockey culture. So when I was instrumental, anything with strings, I love. If I did that too much, my coaches and some of the people that were gatekeepers for hockey would go, ah, he's not interested in really being a hockey player. He wants to go into the arts. It may be self-fulfilling for them because you're already the son of artists. Oh, yeah. They all got a chip on their shoulder about exactly. that. So you're completely trying your very fucking hardest to show them, I'm going to buzz my hair. I'm going to be like this soldier who's going to do my job and put my head down and work hard. some of my teeth. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though they didn't get knocked out, I'm going to say they did. But he refused <laughs> to lose his flip-flops. Yeah, I had eczema on my feet. <laughs> and after games, I'd be like, oh, I'll take the shoes off because they'll get a little moist. Yeah, yeah. Water and eczema don't mix. Yeah. So I would wear my flip-flops around the hotel. And the coach was like, no flip-flops. He was from Minnesota. I won't say his name because the guy was a dick. <laughs> and he just hated me because I was a laid-back person. And you were from California. And I was from California yeah. and parents Holly. of yeah. Hollywood. It all didn't Bad. work. I was supposed to play. And I'm walking down to get a Gatorade in the hotel in like, you know, Hampton Inn or wherever we are in Sioux Falls. And I go down and I'm wearing my flip-flops. The elevator opens and the coach is there. And he's like, hey, Russ, how's it going? I was like, hey, coach, how are you? And he looks down at my feet. He goes, flip-flops, huh? I was like, yeah. And he's like, huh. It was like a little pause. He goes, you're not playing tonight. Oh, my like, God, for that? <laughs> for wearing flip-flops to get a Gatorade in the hotel? But you do have to understand that the Canadian athlete may be the last athlete on the planet that truly has a lot of respect for authority. Yeah, they it was do, like, man. Okay, There's no questioning it. I didn't wear flip-flops. But anyway, the point is, is that <laughs> I had to be sort of one way for them, and then I had to be one way for me. And eventually it got to a point where when I got hurt, it was like, okay, now I'm going to be who I am. And I learned how to build guitars and make guitars and the guitar became a massive part of my life always has met my wife when we were doing a movie where we right sang. you were playing a folk singer we got to sing and write songs together and fell in love and still write songs and sing together and have a blast together and now i'm building violins and it's a real part of my life that i don't make the center of myself but it is sort of who i am can we geek out for 14 <laughs> seconds because i yeah. literally just read this three days ago the stradivariuses which i was aware of uh -huh. the violins there were so much i did not realize those are all from the 1600 or 1700s 1700s yeah from a certain period of his life not all of them but he had a golden period in his 70s that he made most of his great violins i just read about one it has like the least amount of play on it the messiah Oh my God, that might be the name of it. It's like a $14 million. Yeah, it's probably the Messiah. The Messiah is like the most untouched of all the Strad violins. So where I make violins, J. Brown violins. Okay. I go there every Tuesday and Thursday and he is my violin making teacher. And he has a client who lives around here actually. And he brought in one day, he has a Strad and a Guarneri. Those are the two guys, right? Okay. He opens up the case and he's like, hey, look at this. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, holy shit, that's a real Strad. And he's like, yeah, and he bought it in the 80s. It was like 500 grand now. It's worth a lot more money. Many millions. And it's like his ticket to the world. So I'm building a Strad model called the Titian. And so I got to look at the actual model that I'm building yeah. wow. from the mold that was made. It's the real deal. Like very, very few people get to do that. Yeah. Very lucky. And so I've gotten some really cool experiences through violin making. What is the ingredient that makes them so coveted? Is it the wood that was used? Is it the geometry? There's a bit of a mystery to it, which makes it so fun and exciting for people to talk about. One of the things is that where they got all the wood, the forest that they got the wood from is gone. Uh -huh. It was a high altitude forest 
forest. They were getting wood from like very, very, very old trees. And they would go on these amazing wood trips. But I'd be right to assume that the older the tree is, that the less it's going to change after it's been made and used. You want to keep the moisture consistent. But yeah, the older the tree, if it's not diseased, the better it is because the harder the wood is going to okay. be. The other thing is the alchemists and the violin makers and apothecaries of the time would create these varnishes and blends with metals in them and stuff that they've discovered that they don't really use anymore. So a lot of it's the finish as well. The finish as well. And then mostly Strad changed how the violin was actually structured. He elongated the body. He did certain things that changed it. And that's the violin that we know today. But there's so many tiny little things. And really what makes it exciting for me is that every violin is different. It's a very, very, very human experience. A violin cannot be made well by a machine. Oh, that's you cool. have to be able to hear the tone of the violin of the piece of wood that you're working with because no piece of wood is the same. No grain runs the same way. You've got to like hood it at the node and find where the tone is, and then you structure the sound according to what the wood is telling you. Oh, my God. Wow. And so it's a great lesson for life. It's been important for me because I can get a little jittery, and it's like the wood won't do what it doesn't want to do. Right. You can't control. There's a no. lot of acceptance involved. Yes. I can't make that go any deeper. I can't make it go any lower. I'm just going to have to live with that as it what is. What a lesson as you enter fatherhood. Oh, my God. It's true. <laughs> it's made me so much more patient because you get so frustrated sometimes. You're like, why the fuck won't this fit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a microcosm for waking up every morning with Buddy and my wife and being patient and going, okay, no, right now this three-year-old psychotic brain does not want to do this. Yeah. Figure he out a different his birthday way. today. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Can't make so, him like his birthday. I'd consider it the first love of my hobbies and my life, and it's important. And can you to me. play the violin? No, horribly. Okay, my okay. grandfather was a professional violinist on my mom's side. He owned a jewelry shop, but he played the Baltimore Philharmonic, played White Houses. That was his job. He was a violinist. Oh, wow. My other great-grandfather, he was a violinist. You just pointed to your dad. My grandfather. You had a musician in your lineage? He was a first-chair violinist for Fritz Kreisler in that orchestra. He was at the Boston Conservatory. Oh. Wow. So violin runs in the family, and I was like, well, and I did play violin when I was five because I wanted to play like my grandfather. My mom's got some of his old violins in our basement. One of them's actually a prominent maker. It was something I wanted to do, but my wife would murder me if well, I had to learn how to play violin. If you don't play it perfectly, <laughs> it's the most offensive oh, sound. Right. There's nothing you can like hear. It. There's <laughs> actually a great video There's of There's a reason why all yeah. horror movies... Yeah, you tell it. It's a classic. Goldie's mom, Laura, was in her last weeks of living. And she was in hospital, and so Goldie wanted Quiet to come in and play. Oh. I think it was Twinkle, <laughs> Twinkle, 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 Little Star <laughs> on the violin. And it was absolute fingernails on a chalkboard. In the hospital. In a hospital. And it was enough to ripping wires out. On video. It's she so jumped out the window. My dad was videotaping the whole thing. He was slow zoom on her face. <laughs> <laughs> and it is excruciating. <laughs> the video, one of those things where it got so bad it starts to shake. <laughs> I thought I was making noise, but I couldn't help it. it You're like loving it probably. Oh, it was so bad. It's a train wreck. It was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I must get that video. You have to do social media. You must post that. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing she experience <laughs> <laughs> auditory torture <laughs> from a voice she didn't recognize. <laughs> 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 that was 
That was the end of my violin playing for you. If you can't do Well, Bill. when the last person oh, you performed for died. Yeah, right. That's not the best. So, yeah, guitar making's a little cooler and more accessible. He's a really good guitar player. Have you guys ever played together? No, I only watched you play when I was up there, and I was pretty blown away. Meredith, my wife, she's an yeah, unbelievably she's really talented singer. Her grandmother finished second to Patsy Cline in the, yeah. you know. I don't know if you would know this, Monica. I didn't know this until I was reading about you today, that your wife is in Search Party. Yes. Oh, She's the blonde. But I haven't seen it. Oh, f oh, oh yeah, it's a great oh, show. Oh, oh, you're gonna, yes. oh, wow. oh my god, it's so good. She's incredible. She's so it. funny. Yeah, yeah she's so good. Great. Yeah, and she's the best. She's ten times better person than I am in every sure, possible sure. way. Like holds down the fort in our family. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. We have a fun relationship with music together. Her Patsy Klein is fucking un. Believable. She can sing. Yeah. yeah, I keep saying, you got to do something with music. We keep looking for it. Yeah, that seems hard to manifest. But I would imagine this thing we're here to talk about, Monarch, similar thing where it's like you guys have been offered a ton of opportunities to play father-son, and then you're probably not even sure how you would ever work together. And then this bizarre version, which is probably the coolest way to do it, is you guys are going to play the same person throughout time, which is so cool. You couldn't have scripted that six years ago. Over the years, Wyatt and I, like Oliver and I, Austin and I, Wyatt and I have talked about doing things together, what it might be. So there were a lot of opportunities to play father and son. It was also the kind of thing he and I would kick around an idea. And we had some good ones, but we're just both so lazy. We're not gonna, we're not gonna do anything about it. You're bow hunting, he's violin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this one was unique in that it was the same person. We thought, wait a minute, that is interesting. And it turns out that it had never really been done before with two known actors. It was a challenging idea. Well, listen, I'm going to be dead honest with you. I know you guys are coming. I'm like, I got to watch that fucking monster show. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to do yeah. this because A, it's my job and B, I love these guys. And then I wrangled my children into watching it with me, my nine and 10 year old. And we watched three episodes back to back last night. And it's fucking awesome. It's, <laughs> it's so good. It's so not what I was expecting. It's I thought different. it was going to be kind of corny, bad it's a, it's CG, a, yeah. Godzilla. Well, we didn't want to do it. We did too, in a way. You're like, what's this going to be? Well, anytime you take one of these properties, like, we're going to do the Tonka Trucks movie. And you're like, hmm, I love Tonka Trucks, but I don't know about that as a movie. Right. <laughs> and similarly, you've been watching Godzilla. It's a double edged sword idea. And we were just a casting idea. You do the double, you kind of go, Godzilla. Could go Godzilla. either way. Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. Keep saying Godzilla. What would it be? What would it be? Godzilla. If we did a Godzilla. <laughs> you know, and you finally say, well, let's take a look and start thinking. I don't know. It seems to have been something in my life that I've just always latched on to doing things that people don't understand to begin with. And then it takes a long time to get and go, oh, I see. So many of your successes <laughs> were yeah. terrible ideas, yeah. if we're being honest. Yeah. Escape from New York. I wouldn't say it that way. See, that was the thing. I wouldn't say it was a terrible. I think it's a great idea. Idea. New York's a prison? That's already funny. Okay, okay. <laughs> Back in 1980, for people who weren't from New York, it was like, you in New York, I mean, this place is a prison. I wasn't specific enough. A lot of the things you tackled had a high probability of yeah. failure, and they fucking worked. But they were huge swings. Yes. But did you see it as that, or were you just like, I like this? Just tickled my funny bone, yeah. or it struck me as, I really think this is good, I think this is different. I started early with Disney stuff, so I guess maybe I sort of had my fill of mainstream, if I could try to figure it out, which is no point in doing. And can I just add a detail to that because I think it'll fascinate you? He as a boy had a 10-year contract with Disney. He was the highest grossing movie star for Disney Pictures 
throughout the 70s as a child. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Right. I don't think a lot of people would yeah. know that. Nobody left, left alive. One of the last things Walt Disney wrote that they have is him writing down Kurt's name. <gasps> yeah, it was a weird and you thing. like knew him, right? Actually did. Yeah. Was he wow. a lovely dude? What kind of guy was he? He was an he? interesting man. He reminded me of my grandfather. He was very creative. Did he have like a childlikeness that you would imagine? No. I always liked watching him be on the set because it's see that he was watching things for a purpose. He wasn't just observing, you know. He just was wonderful to me. He gave me the opportunity to go to all the departments and meet the department heads and he talked to me about what this department did, what that department did. You told me a cool story in Muskoka, which was like, you had done all these years of acting, then you pursued baseball. And you know, Kurt played professional baseball for years. No, I don't know. We need, I, know. I need, we need all the details. I'm telling you, I'm gonna annoy you, but I'm gonna tell all the details. Professional baseball player gets injured, decides to go, or at least is what you told me in Canada, gets injured, decides I'm going back into this business, but I wanna fucking know this thing inside and out. And what did you do? Well, at that time, I was 22 years old, and I had gone to junior. I'm looking at Monica. He's already heard I went to, Yeah, <laughs> I went to junior college for 29 days in 1969, <laughs> so that's good for me. I did that. Couldn't make it a month. So I didn't continue on, and I just continued to work. I decided that I did want to have an education in something, and so when I knew I wasn't going to be able to play baseball anymore, that was a big change for me. I never really looked at the motion picture business as something that I was going to do to make my living at. Can I add one detail? Yeah. Because it's a really fascinating parallel between yeah. both of you, which is his father was a successful actor. He was in a bunch of Westerns, Bing. And he was a professional baseball player. Oh, wow. Right. He's growing up second generation actor. It frames the whole thing so differently. Whatever your parents did, like, I didn't want to go sell used cars. That's what my dad did. You don't want to do what your parents do. But we did. <laughs> right. <laughs> the apple just Th thank God. <laughs> very close to the tree, you know. Finally then I said, I've got to learn something. I've got to really know something. And I said, the truth is I've never really paid much attention in this business. So what I probably told you was that I decided that my college experience was going to be taking one department for every television or movie that I did and spend it with that department. Oh, wow. And I did. For every single thing in our business, I spent one show with the sound department, the electricians, the camera department, all the way up to studio head, who I promised would never <laughs> reveal who that was. <laughs> and that's because I was hearing conversations you're not supposed to hear. Yeah. But I mean, craft service, I don't care what it is. I did it for about four years and I said, okay, I've done every department it. and I understand what it is they're doing, why they're doing it. Gave me a great appreciation for number one, being on time. Yeah. Oh. We need to really make a meal of how preposterous that was because you were Macaulay Culkin. Okay. <laughs> In that you are a podcast. Superstar. Oh, yeah, I was starring Disney movies you when are. I was young, you, you know, are. and I did do a television series when I was 11. So if I was on a movie set and I went to craft service and I saw Macaulay Culkin was stocking the fucking candy bars, that's an insane oh, yeah. proposition. Oh, all the way down to the, what do you need next week? How many crew are going to be here? Is there going to be a B side to this A side? Every department has its difficulties. I mean, it has its real things to deal with. And were people around you witnessing you? Yeah, they understood it. They probably respected yeah. it. Well, also, got to understand, every time it was a different, yeah. many times they didn't know. One time it was with a director. I think, yeah, it just kind of felt like I was an ass kisser. But it was just something that I needed to do for myself to say, okay, I have an education in something. I do understand what I've gone to school myself for. It verified one thing. There were two departments for me that had the most fun, and that was the actors and the stunt guys. Okay, that's my world. 
It takes five minutes on a set to realize you want to be a stuntman. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> and all you do is sit around and tell stories of all the gags you've pulled and the times yeah, you've you broken your out. back. I grew up with stunt guys because my dad had them at the house all the time. Stunt energy is like, they're always right there. And what do you need? I'm like, they've been out here for 14 hours and the energy level has not dipped. <laughs> <laughs> also, talk about paradox. All they talk about is safety. Yeah. And then they're yeah. so fucking reckless. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you try to set everything up. That was the thing in my career that I enjoyed about as much as anything was being able to work with my two stunt guys. I did 26 movies with John Casino and 24 more movies with Dick Warlock. If this isn't done safely, it's not safe for anybody to do, but I was also an athlete. So I was like, if this is safe for you, I can do this. So let's go and let's tell them what we can do with the camera and what we can't. John and Dick were just tremendous guys. You could do things with them that very few stunt guys could do with other actors. Is it fair for me to guess as well? Because I think we have the same chip on our shoulder, which is the acting's a little, it's not very studly. There's a phrase for that. Okay. Which is very simple. I always have carried it with me proudly. Every actress is a little more than a woman, and every actor is just a little less than a man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of that. Yeah. It fits me to a T. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's great. My first goals on a set are, I don't care about impressing the director. I want to impress Transpo. I'm going right. to tell them how much I tow. <laughs> and then I'm go over to stunt guys and talk dirt bikes and shit. So I'm just trying to let them know, like, yeah, I do this acting thing. But, I mean, for real, I'm one of you guys. It's something that after I was done playing hockey, I could relate to the stunt team more in certain ways because they're more in the world of what I was doing. Destroying your body for a goal. Exactly. And testing the limits and the energy was there and I associated myself with it more. The brotherhood too. The brotherhood. The brotherhood I mean, between actors can well, be dicey because everyone's kind of competing for no the attention. There's no brotherhood in acting. There's not. But then no. the stunt dudes, they're bros. They the, hang there out can be. The there can be. You, know, you got to be careful with this because it really gets you in trouble and I will dispel that now. I don't think in my life and I've had the opportunity to do some really cool stuff with airplanes, baseball, wine, hunting. I mean, I've done things that are unbelievably fulfilling in so many ways. But when you do something as an actor with someone else, then you just have this little magic thing that happens. There's nothing that compares to that. I totally agree with you. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? Monica, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? I want to say I would write and read my New Year's resolution. Yeah, uh, I would too. That would yeah. be the same. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority. And therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp offers convenient, affordable online therapy that comes to you. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Mmm, ZipRecruiter. With St. Patty's Day around the corner, here's a random fun fact. The chances of finding a four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000. <gasps> yeah, very limited edition. You'd have to be pretty lucky to find one. Almost as lucky as Kristen finding a parking spot. 
Mm. And there's always one right at the front somehow. Fortunately, if you're hiring, you don't need luck to find top talent. You just need ZipRecruiter. And you can try it free right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. No rainbows or gimmicks. ZipRecruiter leads you to a pot of gold, a.k.a. top talent every time. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology starts showing you quality candidates immediately. You can also invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. If you're even just a bit curious about how ZipRecruiter can help you, today's your lucky day. You can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Tap the banner to learn more. We are supported by Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can do much more than build a website. You can also sell custom merch. Guys, this is what we do on Squarespace. We have a merch team and we offer it all on a website beautifully built by WobbyWob on Squarespace. Simply design your products and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you. With Squarespace, it doesn't matter what you sell, physical goods, digital products, services, they have all the tools you need to start selling online. Just take one of their professional website templates, then customize the look, update the content, and add features to fit your unique needs. You can make any Squarespace template do what you want so you can stand out online on any device. For a free trial, just head to squarespace.com DAX. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code DAX to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. I was having a difficult time. What I was going to say is that before I wasn't able to get what I was getting out of hockey, which was this scenario where you're placed all on the same team. It's very clear. Any idiot can figure it out. We are on the same team. We are assuming the same responsibilities to try and get a very specific goal, win the championship. On a set, it was hard for me to get there because if you're coming from the world I came from and then you're going to work for two weeks, you're not getting a feel for it. And I didn't have this dream to be an actor. Hockey was my dream. And acting was something that I'd seen and grown up with and saw how much fun it could be, but we weren't involved in it that much, you know? And then I've been in a couple bigger movies and then some with big people and they'd go home and they wouldn't hang out. And it was just like, oh God, this is not the experience that I want. And then I did this movie. Well, actually, I went and auditioned for this movie that everyone was like, you want to do this cannibal movie about a family of cannibals? Like, why do you want to do this movie? And I was like, I like it. And the guy who directed this movie called Stakeland, it was good. His name is Jim Mickle. It was the first person I talked to where I was like, I don't know, there's something different about you. And I'm just going to tell you the truth. I don't think I'm good at auditioning. I think I'm a decent actor, but I need to be able to get on a set and do the job where it's a world that you're creating. It's not a test. And I'm not good at this test. And we talked for like two hours and he was like, well, I hope you can act because I like you and come back tomorrow. <laughs> and we did the audition and I went to work on this movie in upstate New York for like a month and a half. And I was with Michael Parks, who's this legendary actor. He was in Then Came Bronson and all the Tarantino's movies and just a great actor he's passed on. But I had this magical experience of what a film can be with the right people. Julia Garner was in it. It was just, oh, I want every movie experience to be like this. And then you shortly realize that very few are actually like that. And it's up to you to try and bring that to it 
when you have the opportunity. Totally. When you have the leverage to set the vibe on the set and kind of set that tone. It's yeah. imperative that you do. Because someone will. It should be you. If you're going to play on any team, you better be the impact player that you need to be. Help everybody else. Let's win. And that means I'm going to go do whatever I can to make that happen. Yeah. You know when I've had that experience? Well, A, I've had it on movies. I mean, my very first movie without a pedals. Me, Seth Green, and Matthew Lillard in New Zealand for four months in canoes. Oh, what a life experience. <laughs> right. But TV shows can be like the hockey team. I was on a show for six years. They're fucking family. We're actually having holidays together. Yes. And we're at each other's houses. We know each other and we love each other. That can be so special. I did a show called Lodge 49 that was like that. Very special show. Very special to me time of my life, all the stuff that worked out. But it was one of the only things that was like that because it was an ongoing aspect. It only went two seasons, but there was not one person with an ego. I mean, everybody had egos, but it felt like walking into a, a second home. I never was like, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta go to work today. I brought my dogs to set. They were in the trailer. Everybody knew Snowman. My dog would like walk around base camp. As special as it was off screen and on screen, like had that meld. And again, that doesn't happen very often. And now I'm 37 years old. You have to relish it when it does happen. But I want to go back to what you were saying because I totally agree. And for me, that's why I liked acting so much is there's a part of me that is from Detroit and you got to be a dude and you got to do all this shit and you got to fight. And then there's this little pocket where I get to be vulnerable and connected and have an experience with a dude I probably wouldn't have in life. For me, that's the beautiful part of it. On Parenthood, Peter Krause and I, he was my older brother on the show. We're friends, but then we enter these scenes together and be insanely intimate together. It can be all the cool things. Well, there's that special circle of love that happens with every movie that you do but so much of it depends on everything starts with the story then there's the character you're playing but it's all led by the director and if the director's vision is something that you understand and that you're helping he or she get on film you feel like you're doing your job but there are those special moments where you work for three or four months with someone it's fantastic i've just had that wonderful opportunity so many times and all of them in so many different ways. There's nothing that compares with that. And when I say you can get in trouble by saying things that take you out of that league, Lefty Gomez once said to my dad before he was elected into the Hall of Fame, because he was a great joke teller. And he said, you know, Bing, I think I might have talked my way out of the Hall of Fame. Really? I understood what that meant at an early age. And I've seen it in our business, experienced some of it. You can be perceived as something that you're not. And when you go to work with people... They're always fascinated. You're not anything like I thought you'd be. That's the story of my life. You know, this is, is the it? weirdest thing. Yeah. yeah so everyone, what do they think you're going to be? An asshole. Oh, sure. Mm. Entitled. Yeah, entitled. Yeah. That was from the day I was born. And he's done a nice job fulfilling that title. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Didn't come easy. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't come easy, but fuck, I deserve everything I got. <laughs> I should mention you landed in my yard in a helicopter. <laughs> Three different people aided you in getting up the stairs to get in here. The cool thing was he was flying it. <laughs> but did you have resentment about that? Earlier on, yeah, but then you quickly learn that it's binary. There's no gray area to live in there. It's just black or white. You either become a person who is resentful and constantly thinks that strangers should somehow, for some reason, understand who you are and <laughs> yeah, understand yeah. You your story and give you the benefit of the doubt. Or... You quickly realize that they can think however they want to think. That's their prerogative and that's good for them and they should. That's their job. And I can just go about doing my job the way I do it the best that I can and let the chips fall where they may and be okay with that. I went that route where I'm much happier that way. That's why I don't do social media and stuff like that. It's not that I don't care what people think. I care a lot what people think. I want people to think everything I do is good. 
I don't care what they think about me as a person. They don't know me as a person, so why would I ever get flustered about that? But I want them to like my movies and my work, and that's important. It's not like I don't care what anybody thinks. I really do. People say that all the time, and I don't agree with it because I think it's a defense mechanism. Like, I don't care. Fuck them. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, no, of course you don't feel that way because if you really did feel that way and they don't like you, then you're not going to work anymore. Your livelihood depends on whether people like what you do or not. Again, it's the way you say it, which is, I can't do anything that I think is going to make you happy. I just got to do something that's going to make me happy, and I hope it makes you yeah. happy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I can't do what you want me to do. I have to do what I want to do, but I sure hope it makes you feel that way. Right. percent. And that's caring but as that's much as anything. But that's something that any kid that has a parents of note, you deal with it. It's how you deal with it that matters. And I think that it's very healthy to go like, yeah, of course you're going to think that. I empathize. I've had those thoughts before of meeting someone's kids where I'm like, this kid's probably an asshole. And then you're like, oh God, I can't believe I'm having that. Yes. It's kind of human nature. You know, it's like, see a guy when he's hot stepping on the baseball field. They got that stink on him. They're just running hot right now. This guy's really good right now, right? You can feel. I think that there's a stink on people. It's part of our familial thing is that if we smell that privilege, you can take privilege the right way or you can take the wrong way. Mm -hmm. If you're Barry Bonds and you grew up in a locker room, when you're 17, 18 years old, yeah, I belong here, man. Yes, you got to (laughs) belong here. That's a privilege that I'm going to use that versus somebody who's got not a lot of talent and thinks that, well, my last name is X. And therefore, I got position. No, that's very bad. And it's about what you do with it. Because I look at it, I was thinking about this the other day. Someone said, they look at the kids of athletes and it's like, well, that's just genetics. And you're like, there could be no genetic link to whether or not you can be a good performer or (laughs) comfortable performing. But it was interesting. I was thinking about it and I was like, I really am so lucky to have had the upbringing that I did and the way they did it because there was never any onus on being something that I'm not being something for somebody else. It was all about, hey, do it how you do it the best you can, and that's the way it's going to work best anyway. Your beginning was an interesting one, too, because there's a man named Darren Bogosian who grew up in Fresno, came to Los Angeles, and you know went through his process of becoming an agent. But very early on, when he was still playing hockey, he looked at him. What did he say to you? I was in a movie that my friend directed. I was still playing hockey in Alabama, and I was injured. And he calls me up and he's like, hey, dude, I lost my actor for my first day. He had like a $15 million movie he was going to make. John Stahlberg's the director and my partner and one of my best friends in life, my brother Oliver Hudson. And John had been friends since I was born. And so I was always in John's like horror movies and stuff growing up. I was the kid who got killed or whatever happened Yeah, you were a fucking extra. You need <laughs> yeah. a body. Where's Wyatt? Yeah, that's exactly right. Put ketchup on him. And so John calls me and he was like, can you get to Detroit day after tomorrow? And I was like, well, I'm not playing. So if I say I'm going to go do a movie, I'll get cut from the team. But if I lie and say there's been a death in the family, family <laughs> which there had been oh. six oh. months earlier, my 103-year-old great-grandmother had passed oh, away on the East Coast. for you. Yeah. What a blessing. Rest in peace, Huey. Uh, but I was like, there's been a death in our family. I have to go back East. I wasn't lying. And I made it back there. I was in the movie. Hated it. I was alone in this room. You know, it was like all the things I didn't want it to be. You're alone sitting here doing this thing where you're like, okay, the day's over. I've got a headache and I have no one to share anything with. And I'm going back to my hockey team, thank God. So then the movie plays and it goes to this thing called Sundance. (laughs) No fucking clue what Sundance is. Oh, great. Way to go, John. Congratulations. I got a call while I'm playing hockey in Holland 
from this agent, Darren Bogosian, who's now my agent, still is my agent. And he's like, hey, I saw this movie in Sundance. Do you have an agent? And at first I was like, well, hockey, who are you calling about? Right. He's like, no, I'm a film agent. <laughs> I'm on the phone with the oiler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exactly. like, oh no, I'm not interested in that. But maybe in the future, I don't know. And then when I got hurt, I called him and was like, hey, I'm not playing anymore. Does that offer still stand? And I had tape of stuff. So I had some things to send around to casting directors and I'm a good hedged bet for a casting director to come in. And yeah, we want to see if this guy's any good. Sure. Other family members are good. That's part of the benefit of being in that family. And then uh, I ended up auditioning for stuff and starting to work. Well, I got to tell you my own experience. So I hadn't seen you in years and I was watching Black Mirror. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's Wyatt. Right. <laughs> like that casting director, I had this enormous curiosity. I'm like, is he going to be able to do it like the rest of them? And I have to say, Kristen, if she was here, she would tell you. I was like, he's fucking great. <laughs> he's so effortlessly natural and real. And then I was obsessed with Under the Banner Heaven. It's yeah. so good. And you are yeah. outstanding. I don't have a right to feel the pride, but I've been so delighted watching you. Yeah, You're so thanks. fucking good. Thanks, man. And natural and easy and you feel comfortable in your own skin and it's all wonderful it's made me so happy yeah and it all could end tomorrow <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's how i think you got this super viable violin i got a 27 grand a year job waiting for me. <laughs> so you both had career-ending sports injuries. Yeah. That's crazy. And Bing did, too. Otherwise known as blessings in disguise. Yeah. But yeah, what are the odds of three generations of... The exact same thing happened three mm -hmm. times. Yeah. I can't wait to interview Buddy in 20 years. Well, after he's <laughs> no longer can I tell you something? I'm old enough now to have watched things. I bet on it. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. He's three now. It's all there. He's wow. got a golf swing. Dude, it's fucking crazy. Guys on the range were going, get over here. They said, what are you, five? And he said, no, I'm two. <laughs> and he's two years old. And he's got his little sucker in his mouth and he's banging the ball oh out there. Dude, he's, no. he's just Wild. got it. That's a funny gene. Hand eye. Because you were a he's goalie, right? I was a goalie. Yeah, yeah. It's all hand He was eye. a good baseball player, too. That was the one that hurt me. That was the one where, you know, your kids always have to separate from you. Yeah. And it's an interesting moment when they do. And he was the youngest one to do it at 12 because he was playing baseball and hockey and I got him into hockey with the hopes and understanding that by the time he's about 14, he's going to be real tired of waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning and going, uh, right? Uh -huh. And he's going to like that idea of baseball practice today at 3.30 after school. Right. Yeah, right. that's for me. Yeah, yeah. Nice, warm Southern California weather. I don't got to move to 12, Canada for this. He came to me and he said, Dad, I got to be honest, I want to play hockey all the time. I don't want to play baseball anymore. And I said, you know, you're really good at baseball and you're going to get a lot better. You can make a lot of money playing baseball probably. <laughs> and he said, but I want to play hockey. I said, okay. So he went on and played hockey. But then when he did Everybody Wants Some, they played a game. That's right. The director said, just go play. They had good ball players out there playing. He hadn't picked up a bat since he was 12. And he hit two home runs that day. Wow. And he calls me up and he says, you might have been right. <laughs> <laughs> He's a natural hitter. Could have stuck with yeah. it. The other beauty of baseball is you can be completely out of shape, at least from my point of view. I'm looking at Cecil Fielder on first base. I'm like, this guy's the best first baseman right. hitter in the baseball? Right. There's no hockey players fucking hustling no. down the rink. Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel. I was going to say, wait Phil a minute. Phil Kessel, the dude's like bag of milk body. Yeah. Still, uh, maybe a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I look back on the lineage of our family and the thing that comes up is like well don't fuck it up now you know, everybody, everybody's been grinding for 700 years we just learned a couple months ago kind of this fun thing about our family 
that's totally not related to movies. But on the first day of the Revolutionary War, I told the story. This isn't an exclusive. <laughs> oh, fuck. Damn it. <laughs> then don't go further. <laughs> yeah. But on the first day of the Revolutionary War in Lexington and Concord, there was a shot heard around the world. And then the Minutemen retreat, the Bluecoats retreat, in the house of the bloodiest day of fighting on the first day of the Revolutionary War was in Jason Russell Jr.'s house, which is our direct lineage no. grandfather of what? 10 generations ago. And it was like, well, fuck, that guy fought, and he died in the house, got stabbed 11 times by redcoats, and so it's like, don't fuck it up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy went down. Keep yeah. going hard, work hard <laughs> for Jason. You wouldn't want to see me blow it. Do you gotta go to the bathroom? No, I want to get a drink of water, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's get you another Probably. one. I would love another coffee, Rob, now that we're, these, we're going back to the by cafe. By the way, these mugs. Do you know about Ember mugs? I mean, should we do a commercial? right now? Ember <laughs> mugs. They don't sponsor me, but can I tell you how it's it It's not changed? a lake hour, but it is a liquid death. Oh, by the way. <laughs> I was going to bring No, you don't drink hour. anymore. I don't. No. Oh, dad. Anymore. 19 years. 19 years. 19 years. 19 you don't years. drink. I didn't drink when I was in Canada. No, I don't remember you as a drinker. No. Well, well he I'm was a, a drinker. drinker. No, no, I mean, I don't remember you as a drinker, so it was before that. I had my third AA birthday while I was dating Kate. So, when you, you met me, I was just that, about three years sober. Way to go. And I hated that you and I couldn't have some beers together on the dock. <laughs> it really bummed me out. <laughs> Never been a real heavy drinker. No, myself. that's annoying to me too. I know. But let's get back to the ember. Yeah. <laughs> it's been an hour. Whoa. And this coffee yeah. is still Are you hot. kidding me? So listen, yeah. let me tell you about this, guys. You see this little plate right here? Yeah. It sits on there and then it's got a battery. So this is how it changed oh. my life. In the morning, I used to drink two cups of coffee while I was like journaling and doing my shit because it's getting cold, so I'm drinking it fast. And then I'm out and I want more coffee. I got that thing, it keeps it warm, I drink it slower, and now I only drink one cup of coffee right. in the morning. Okay, all right, sorry. I gotta go all the way back because we were talking about your bigger swings or at least what I would have considered big swings. How much of it was director driven? There's maybe, like you said, okay, all of New York has become a prison, but obviously, doesn't it help if you go, they know how to pull this off. Somebody once wrote about me, says, it looks like a drunken driver handled his career. <laughs> I said, yeah, and I was the guy behind the wheel. I, I was the drunk driver. It's just whatever strikes you. But for instance, on that, I had worked with John Carpenter on Elvis. John had been brought onto the show after I had been cast. It was a very strange situation. He was kind of saddled with this Disney guy, but we spoke the same language very quickly. And we said, well, I'd like to do that again. And I went to Australia. I happened to see some footage there. And I came back and I said, I know the world I'd like to play in. Talked about it. And he said, I got that. And it was Escape from New York. Snake Plissken's. And for John to look at me and say, you can do that. At that time, only John would have ever said that. Yeah. They wanted Charlie Bronson. I was only... 28 years old. So for me, on different projects, when I read Used Cars, I said, Love do you these guys know me. how funny they are? Listen to me, listen to me. How good I've only, I only wrote down four movies that I want to talk about <laughs> of your entire career. I could play a Guess the Dax Yeah, let's game. do it, let's do it. I'm lying to you, I wrote down okay, five I'm movies. Gonna, I don't know how up on Kurt Russell you are. Uh, I'm going to say Used Cars would be absolutely number one. For it me. is, number one. Look at this. Big Trouble in Little China might be in there. It's not. Bone Tomahawk. No. Dax, you'll change your list after you see Bob. Okay, okay, I'm on it. I have homework, good. Death Proof. Yes. Yes, Death Proof. Fucking Tombstone. Tombstone. Okay, well, I don't, I mean, listen, I didn't, I didn't know there was a... Tombstone. <laughs> Kurt, I didn't know, I, I didn't know you were, you what know... The fuck? Wyatt sitting here. Tombstone, 30th anniversary. Wyatt. That was a formative time for me. It was cool. On this Godzilla show on Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. <laughs> on Apple, on currently Apple, streaming. Currently streaming. New episodes coming 
Friday. Or binge it if this comes out afterwards. <laughs> but people asked me on this tour, they were like, what did you find out about your dad you didn't know? I'm going to pause you. I watched so many interviews with you two, and I was so triggered for you. Oh. So often. You know, you're like, oh, oh Jesus, God. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> what are you not going to ask? You Listen, know, you I'm have sympathetic to. to everyone, yeah. And so I was always trying to come up with an answer, but really what I'd always come back to is people know or don't know, and now there's more out about it, but how he works on a movie and how it's not changed for 35, 40 years since that movie came out, 30 years, I guess. I would come home with my dad after work, and he'd sit at this table in a room like about this size. It was a couch like this, and there was like a pull-out couch, and I went to sleep on the couch. He'd put me to sleep, and then he'd go to a table, this like round circular table that you had with a little kitchen in it, and smoke cigarettes and write. This was like at three in the morning after the day was over. Wow. And working the next day. And so that was imprinted into my mind. Is like, I guess that's just what you do. That's how it works. So knowing that coming into this was so fun for me because it can be a bit shocking when someone who comes in and you think you're going to get an actor who's an actor that you've worked with many times before. And it's like, no, 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 you're getting Kurt. That means that if this isn't up to where it needs to be, you're going to work. And that puts everybody through paces that I'm used to. I feel like I'm on my way and continuing to build a career, but I don't do it dissimilarly because I don't know how to do it anyway. else. It was osmotically given to me in a certain way. You saw how the sausage was made. That's yeah. how it was made. I don't know any other way to do it. And so watching other people experience that, there was a bit of shock and awe with it because you're like, holy shit, this is coming at me hard and fast. How can he work this fast? He's 72 years old. He hasn't <laughs> lost a single ounce of energy. And then you see people start to catch up. It's contagious. Yeah. And usually you get actors who are just looking out for themselves because that's the nature of being an actor. We're all selfish and narcissistic in some way. That's mostly what you get. But then it's like, oh, wait, he's actually trying to make the whole show better. And then everything catches up to him and really exciting to watch other people see that in him. I was just fortunate. All the people, mostly directors, but some producers, a lot of actors... And it's really one of those things where if you don't keep your eyes and ears open at that point, you're really an idiot. I was just lucky. All the way from Walt Disney to Quentin Tarantino to Mike Nichols to Bob Zemeckis to Meryl Streep to Goldie Hawn to Sly. You were in a fucking movie with Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart. I mean, hundreds of people that I've had the opportunity to watch and just say, that's good. And then you watch somebody who's having trouble and you're looking at the director and as you get older, you finally realize it's up to you to go to that director and say, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Can I ask you a question? You got to be really honest with me because we didn't have a lot of time to talk about this before. Who did you have in mind really to play that role? Oh, wow. <laughs> he said, who, who did I really want? Yeah. I said, yeah, so-and-so. I said, well, you know what? You don't fucking have her. You have this girl, and she's got great talent in other areas. So why don't you work on getting that out of her rather than bitching and being pissed off that you weren't able to get so-and-so? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you realize at some point it's up to you to do that. Right. You and gotta it took me a long time nice. to, on the ones that it calls for, not on the ones that it doesn't call for. Doing Tarantino, all you need to do is understand what he wants you to do. That's yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to pull you them need, aside. You know, you, so it's not writing I like have everyone that. I want. Right? <laughs> yeah. But it is a matter of getting the best out of what is the vision of this, as long as we all understand it, then let's start talking about how to get that rather than what we're doing here because we're not getting Back to the team it. and the goal and the sport. Exactly. It's like, what are we all aiming for? Yeah. Do we all even agree on what we're aiming for? Let's go to Tombstone really quick because I want to say, while I was in Muskoka, 
I'm gonna back up. Escape from New York was the first thing my brother and I recorded on VHS tape off of on TV, the original uh -huh. cable thing. And my brother and I watched that movie, truthfully, in the 50 to 100 range. And so I find myself at your house as a grown up, and I'm trying to keep that cool. I'm so interested in so many things, but I'm also not trying to be a fan at your house. But Tombstone came up and I remember you telling me about Tombstone and I was really fascinated to learn that movie in particular. You had gotten some of your own money involved. I went out and got the money. I'd been on a bicycle trip with Andy Vanya, which was one of the great trips that Wyatt was on as a very young guy. What were you, five or six? Five or six. And at the end of it, Andy Vanya said to me, if you ever have anything that you really would like to do, please don't hesitate. And about a year later, had the opportunity to go to Andy and say, well, I actually have something here and I've got 24 hours. <laughs> it was Tombstone. Kevin Costner had moved on to my old agent, Scott Zimmerman, called me up. I was no longer with Scott. And he said, this is something that's happening. And I think this should be your next movie. You got to move very quickly. And I don't know where it could be coming from. I went to Andy and I was very fortunate in that Larry Franco, my brother-in-law at the time, was a producer. And I said, Larry, I got 24 hours. Can you take a look at this thing and tell me what it could be done? Can you for? green like this in 24 hours? <laughs> Hours. Can you figure it out? So I had a lot of inside help there, and Larry said, you can make this for $25 million given certain things. And I said, great. So I went to Andy and said, I believe this can be done for $25 million, and if we do it for $25 million, I think I'll get you at least $1 back. <laughs> and that was where the opportunity came from. Kevin Jar was a fabulous writer, was in the process of putting a great cast together. And you get probably the best performance of Vale's life. Yeah, that is an interesting story, because Doc Holliday walked into the room Right, not Vale Kilmer. No, it was Willem Dafoe. And Willem Dafoe Wait. was absolutely spectacular. We just interviewed we him did. like two weeks ago. Okay. They were all excited. And Buena Vista would not release the movie with Willem Dafoe oh. and Kurt Russell. said, that's not going to work. And I said to the director, I said, we're going to find out now who's directing the movie, either you or Disney. And he said, we have no other avenue of distribution. And I said... Val Kilmer. It's growing on me. I mean, he was great. It wasn't like that, but Willem Dafoe was scary. It was like yes. Doc Holliday. But Val's performance was beyond. I remember I wanted to be Doc Holliday. Come on. I'll tell you what, though. Five days before we started, Andy said, hey, one thing. I have an opportunity to get us $3 million more for the movie. You play Doc Holliday, and Richard Gere plays Wyatt Earp. Whoa. And I said, I think we should stick with what we got. Yeah. Doc was a great role. But I'll tell you something, in the original screenplay, which Kevin Jar refused to cut 22 pages out of before he was fired, those 22 pages, the role of Wyatt Earp was spectacular. And I knew that at that point, there was only one way to hold the trust and keep the movie going with a new approach to it, with another person coming in. And that was, if I could lose all that. Tonight. How hard was that for you? It wasn't hard. Had you not gone out and gotten the money? Exactly. And you had just been hired to be an actor? Wait a minute. I did this for those five scenes. But now I had other things at stake. That's right. And so I said, okay, I will do this and everybody will understand. And they did at the time. There was still a way to carry the impact of what that screenplay had and lose that stuff. And what it became was, this is what's great about making movies. I set up the shot. It was really incredibly embarrassing for me. But I said, I have to do this because it's going to take the place of five scenes. The first time you see Wyatt Earp, the boot step into the shot and you pan up and you go, ba-ba-boom, there's the man you're going to hang your hat on. That's Wyatt Earp. He's That's an aura lead. character now. He's an archetype. <laughs> I took five other scenes out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I went to Val and I said, Val, be on your best, man, because it's going to be heavily on you. What a legendary fucking, the whole thing. Yeah. And Val so... was great. They all were. His sense of humor was very tough on some people, but was irresistibly charming and funny as hell and helpful. 
But there was a time where early on Val and I met and I listened to him and said, this guy's really smart. And I said, you're a 20 minute guy. And he didn't like hearing that. He was like, what do you mean? We were at the polo lounge, I think. I said, it takes you 20 minutes <laughs> to start over here, get, 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 and get it all around back to here. You're not wrong. You're right. But it takes you 20 minutes. And here's the bad news. We're not going to have 20 minutes on the set. So do that three days earlier. Right, 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 right. He looked at me and was like, okay. He called me conk, concrete head. Now, I see you guys as a magic alchemy of, I bet your presence there impacted greatly what he ended up doing in that. It is interesting. The way I can put it best is at the end of the show, sometimes you get each other gifts. In those days, you certainly did quite often. Now it's kind of rare. So I set my driver. I said, go get Val's gun and hat and the back of his chair. And I said, take a picture of this and put what I'm going to have you go get in there. And I bought him a plot in Boot Hill. No. Unbeknownst to me, I give this to Val at the rap party. His driver was there, and now we got the full story. The two drivers had run into each other because Val had said, go get his gun no. his, his, and his hat and put it on this because I bought him an acre of real estate looking down on Boot Hill. <laughs> what? And neither one of us knew it. That's, That's bonkers. crazy. That was crazy. Wow. That's so, spiritual. Yeah, we were, we were, well, we were no, it is spiritual. Like, yeah. you look at all the you different know. pieces that add up to a movie, and then there's this huge orb that no one can explain, which is a lot of times you just get magic happens, and you get blessed, and weird shit like this happens, and then this thing comes together. And that was one of those, and not an easy effort. Very hard. Incredible. My list is used cars, tombstones, death proof, the hateful eight, once upon a time. Hateful eight. You are <laughs> such a good motherfucker <laughs> in hateful eight. Woo! There's the example of, for anybody who might be listening, if he calls, you just say yes, and you find out that you're going to be the assistant <laughs> to the assistant craft service guy, and you're going to have the fucking time of your life. Yeah. I mean, he loves, loves, loves it so much that it's completely infectious. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny is when we were in Muskoka, and I asked you, and I think this is very admirable, it's a testament to how you turned out, which is, you guys certainly cared about show business, but you guys also moved to Canada when you started hockey. You were happy to give that a rest for Wyatt, which the is whole family beautiful. moved. Yeah, just my mom and yeah, dad and me. Children were kind of grown. They were older. They were yeah. done, yeah. You make that kind of sacrifice. But when I was talking, you hadn't acted in a minute. Death Proof had just come out that year, 2007. And I said, are you going to act? And you said, I don't know. I guess if Quentin ever calls me, I'll certainly show up. Yeah. And then ironically, since then, you've done two more. Yeah. I did kind of look at it like that. I was really much more interested in making wine and learning about wine, making fine wine, mm. making Burgundian red and white. Now mm -hmm. you're talking my well, language. Well, right. are you a Pinot Poodle by any chance? A Pinot, Ooh, Pinot Poodle? Poodle? I've never Poodle. even heard that. <laughs> should have brought some, oh you should have brought some Lake God. Hour and I should have brought some Gogi. <laughs> I make a high-end Pinot Noir. Ooh. For Pinot drinkers. People who drink Gogi, the minute they get into it, they understand he's very Burgundian in style and he knows what he's doing here. And oh where's that from? great people. Well, that's why I said that at the time, because we had worked on Death Proof, and Zoe Bell was sitting on the, she's tied to the hood of the car, and I'm looking over her shoulder while I'm waiting to, you know, Kurt, bring it on, over the uh, walkie-talkie, so I'm looking over, and I said, that's what I'd like to be doing. Look at that vineyard, she turns around, she says, that's beautiful. <laughs> Keep the car on the road. <laughs> and for six weeks, we were doing this car chase stuff up there. When I wasn't working, I'd go tasting. I'd been falling in love with wine for 20 years, and I desperately wanted to get into it. And finally had the opportunity, a man named Greg Gorman, a photographer from the old days of doing one sheets and stuff, ran into him and he ended up introducing me to Peter and Rebecca Work up at Amplos Vineyard. And sure enough, 
Ampelos Vineyard was that vineyard. No shit, that you had been looking at. Yep. Oh, and wow. I went up there, and they were not at all interested in doing any sort of celebrity thing, and they were very happy to hear that I was not interested in doing that either. I wanted to learn about and understand the world of making fine wine, in particular Pinot Noir. Oh my and, God, and you guys are the same. Chardonnay. You make wine, you make violins. Wyatt has a canned alcoholic beverage called Lake Hour. Oh, Lake that's Hour. what you were just saying. <laughs> Such oh. a good name. Lake Hour. I have a beer, Ted Seeger's non-alcoholic beer. Oh, so nice. we're all in the same <laughs> racket. It's, it's yeah, funny, it's, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what that is. It's <laughs> interesting because it's a whole different world. And I think it's always good to like be at the bottom of a rung. Yes. Also, I don't care if I fail. It's not movie business. I can just fuck around and yeah. enjoy. At first it started off like that, and then it was like, no, I've invested so much. Because the way we did it was Rich Pete and myself, he's a producer, he called me. He lives on a lake in New York. Muskoka was part of my life growing up. I was like, well, I've never done a ad, I've never done a commercial. I'm going to do this, but I don't have social media, and I don't have any of the traditional ways of getting out. I told my partner, I'm like, well, I can't do any of that, but what I can do is I can grind, and I can be a good actual partner and run the company with you. So we actually run the company. It's been about six months since we launched it was gangbusters and we've been doing awesome the learning process oh, is wild oh yeah where it's a totally different industry it's always fun people take your call hey how's it going but then it wasn't a joke we're in brazil at comic-con there's eight thousand screaming fans literally people are chanting our name after you're in 16 different marvel properties yeah it's all the comic-con stuff yeah. right and you're so the you're robert like, downey jr you think <laughs> <laughs> there's a version of someone's head that can get big when people are screaming but it won't if you get off the stage of the omelet stage and i go to my email and i am Desperately trying to contact Mark McKelly of Cub Grocer, who is the ah. head buyer in Minnesota. Yes. And he won't return my call. And I'm trying just to get a couple cases of Lake Hour in for them to try. That kind of stuff oh, yeah. has I'm ended up being my day job. houses in fucking St. Louis. Oh, yeah. I can't get the gold caps to my thing. Where'd they go? We are ordering oh, yeah. from this place. It's yeah, endless. See, Loggersmith is a good see, resource the, for the, the gold caps. The project caps. you guys are working on, you don't have to go do like a wine dinner. No. Where you talk. no. It's worse. You, you know, have to go to it Super is. One like, in Minnesota, <laughs> which is a great place, but it's the reality of <laughs> it where it. you go into Costco and you're going to go sign bottles. I mean, that's well, part you, of the game. See, the fun part of it that we've talked about with each other is, it's funny, when you get into it and you start talking about it, that passion inside of you that is real starts to take over. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And you realize, man, I do love doing this. Yeah. I do love making fine wine. I love drinking wine with people. When a person who really knows what they're talking about says, what clones are you working with here? You start talking about blending day and you start talking about all the things that you want to talk about. When I walk in the vineyard with Peter, that's legacy. What I love about wine is somebody's going to be sharing you in a bottle 25 years from now who you'll never know. Yeah, it's really cool. But you're spending that night with them. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. nice. Movies are cool in that regard, but this is you. I'm addicted to learning about something, trying to get good at it, and that's the game. You can learn, and it feels I, good I to learn. I get bored easy. Monica, what's uh, I'm where done are we learning. With? You're done. <laughs> <laughs> I know everything I yep, need to that's know. That's right. right. I know it all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love learning. That's why this show's so great because we interview all these experts too, and yeah. so we Thursdays are is all professors and experts, learning. psychologists, so much. It feeds us in that We're way. kind of just in college, but the professors come to us. Exactly. It's pretty insane. That's I can't great. believe it. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. 
We are supported by The Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for adventure. The iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design. For a start, the exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender 110's legendary capability lets you go further and do more, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Its durability has been tested to the extreme. It can handle your equipment, too, as the cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Explore with greater confidence with powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display, an award-winning infotainment system, and innovative camera technologies. Ready for a wide range of adventures? The Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. We are supported by HelloFresh. You know, there are days when it's really hard to decide what to eat. You stare blankly into the fridge for what feels like hours with no success. And you end up hangry. Well, I've got a solution. HelloFresh, they deliver fresh ingredients and chef-curated recipes straight to your home. And they even take care of the meal planning. I love it because... I always text Callie, what should I eat for dinner? Okay, you ask her a lot. Uh, yeah, because I get stressed and overwhelmed and she doesn't know. And so HelloFresh is so great if I have it because then it's all there. I don't have to make any decisions. Well, what did you get into last night? Ooh, last night I had a, you know, I love prosciutto. Mm-hmm. I had, Who doesn't? Oh, so good. I had a prosciutto wrapped chicken and it had a truffle chive mashed potatoes and Ooh. a lemony broccoli. It was delicious. Oh, my goodness. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DAXFree and use the code DAXFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life. Available for a limited time at HelloFresh.com slash DAXFree with the code DAXFREE. We are supported by Viator. When you're traveling, you want to get there and experience something new and fun. Like recently, I went off-roading on a Mexico vacation. Got to some locations we would have never gotten to otherwise. Got to see a huge waterfall. It was heaven. If you want to make your next trip memorable, you need to visit Viator. It's a website and app that'll help you book fun experiences and adventures all over the world. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences in over 190 countries. Like, now this is something I would do, a tour of Rome's gems on a vintage Vespa. I mean, how else are you going to find that? Yeah. Or how about a Jeep jungle tour if you're heading to Punta Cana? Fun. Another reason Viator is so great is it has 24-7 service. And you need that when you're on vacation with time zone differences and everything else. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use the code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. That's Viator, V-I-A-T-O-R, with the number 10. This could go on forever. There's only one story I must tell about Muskoka, and you'll probably stop me midway through because you do value your pilot's license. But the highlight of that trip for me was you said, you want to go flying? And I was like, fuck yes, I want to go flying. 
So we went flying. I wonder how much of this you remember. Did we go to North Bay or something? What's up, Dad? Listen, we took off. <laughs> Mind you, I don't know if you're a good pilot. I have no clue. We just met. <laughs> you got yourself to Canada. <laughs> Somehow his plane is here. <laughs> I know that. That's encouraging. <laughs> so we go up and we're flying. And then you go, do you want to buzz the house? And I'm like, absolutely. Let's go. Everyone was out on the dock. Oh, that's I, right. Maybe yeah. you remember this. I Wyatt. remember. And we come in and we're flying over the lake and we're getting lower and lower. We're going to buzz the dock. I swear to God, I had this thought in my head. I'm like, we're probably going to die right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably going to crash this airplane directly into his home. <laughs> passenger seat. I but don't listen, remember that. But, but then <laughs> I had this thought. Well, my God, I'm going to die with snake plissons in a fucking airplane. This shook out just fine with me. Terrible. I can't tell you how at peace I was with the notion that we might collide into the dock. We did not. You pulled up expertly. It was fantastic. Nothing was dangerous. Uh, you know, nothing nothing was, yeah. happened. That's not what flying's about. You want somebody to have a nice time. I had the time of my life just to, right. <laughs> to put you at ease. The pilot world is one of the great worlds. I don't really miss it. I stopped about five, six years oh, ago. you did? You know, I was just punching holes in the sky after a while. I may go back and maybe get a carbon cub or something to have some fun with. But, you know, I just did a lot of flying for 30 years. I understand that part of his brain where it's like, no, I want to get really good at yeah. really getting from point A to point B. That's his personality. There's a functionality to this event that yes. has a termination point that has a purpose. And that is transporting my family from LA to Colorado. And then I think probably when that started to be like- When there was no real purpose yeah. for it. Yeah, there yeah. was no purpose in that way. Well, you saved me a ton of money because in my mind, I of course was gonna become a pilot because <laughs> I rode motorcycles and I love boats and I love cars and certainly I was gonna be a pilot and I was up there with you and you were like, okay, here's what you do. You're gonna keep your eye on this dial. You keep this bug between this and then you circle back and you cycle to that dial. And I was like, this is a lot of dial reading. <laughs> I thought we were going to be like, like, by the seat of our pants. <laughs> They're hype complex airplanes. It was quite technical, and I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I want to get sideways in a fucking hot rod. <laughs> <laughs> cool, even Arby's. <laughs> well, you guys, this was so fun. And um, I want to ask you something, because oh, yeah, yeah. I do think that this is the hard thing about relationships, that they end. Oh, me and Kate. Yeah, yeah. and then you lose all these people, and I'm sure that was one of the hardest parts. I have said this before. By the way, I don't interview two people. It's a bad idea. Well, Doesn't like we've work. done it with Kate and Oliver as like maybe oh, one right. of the other oh, three. Two, yeah, one of the only other times we've done this <laughs> yeah. was with Kate and Oliver. <laughs> yeah. so, that's funny. Yeah, that's you, good. Russell. Right. Like, I know. Can't, why don't you just come here and fucking get own. interviewed? <laughs> I'll probably be doing you in a couple of years in your next movie. You'll have your fucking son here and God knows who else. <laughs> and hopefully we'll have sold Lake Hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you will helicopter in. <laughs> yeah. No, but you're a 100% yeah. right, Monica. I have to be dead honest with you. When I landed in that situation, I was like, well, if this dude ends up being my fucking father-in-law, this is a whole <laughs> run. Oh, God. <laughs> As you know, I never meddled in my children's romantic yeah. affairs. But you know what? There was always fun in our house. Truly, I adore you guys. I hate that I haven't seen you in 16 years, but it's been I so know. fun. I can't even believe I that. I can't believe that. Oh, I was going to say this to you, Wyatt. Do you realize you are currently five years older than I was when <gasps> we met? Oh, 
No shit. Oh, oh that's I was 32. Wow. You're 37? Oh, my God. No way. Does that fuck you up? It yeah. I probably looked 49. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I must have been 22. But it's weird because I'm not old and I'm 37, but I feel the same now that I did then. So you look at those people and you're like, God damn, like, why did I think that was old? It's fucking yes. crazy. When it comes to talking about age, I can tell you there's one phrase that is the understatement of all time, and that is that it goes by fast. Well, it's they leave unreal. Out. Not only does it go by fast, it accelerates. That's it. I said that to my grandmother, too, one time. Yeah. I said, what's Christmas? She said, well, when you're 10 years old, it'll never come around. Right. When you're 20, it's like, oh, you got plenty of time. When you're in your 30s and 40s, it's like, oh, you know. It's happening yeah. fast. It's here again. She said, when you get to be 100, it's every week. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wow. Every week is Christmas. Yeah. yeah. The time <laughs> continuum, black hole, whirlhole, <laughs> folds in on itself to become one date and place. Well, sincerely, adore you guys so much. I'm so glad you came in. And from the bottom of my heart, Mark is fucking awesome. Oh, let me add this as a framing of what it is. And if you thought it was like a monster picture, it's Jurassic Park. That's the genre. You've got scientists, you've got exploration, you've got all these wonderful travels. You're in the 50s, you're post-World War II. Only two people have nuclear power at that point. It's historic, it's scientific, and it's very much Jurassic Park. And by the time this comes out, you'll be able to binge it. They dropped it week to week. It's great that way. But I think that people will really enjoy binging this show and that it'll gain even more of a fall when you can watch things back to back. It's a lot to keep in your head and it's, it's a lot to keep track burn. of. It's a slow burn. It's also got this incredible pace because you are bouncing back and forth between all these different time periods. Oh, last thing. I know you wear a beard in real life. If I had your chin, how dare you? I'm with how you, man. You. If, I no like that, that if I looked like that, if I looked like that, I'd get laid so much I'd look like this when you're 72. <laughs> <laughs> it's out of laziness. Mainly out of laziness. My wife met me with a beard. She loves me with a beard. Aww. And I've always just grow it out and I just don't stop. And she's like, I love you with a beard. It's gone Sorry. completely wasted. It's like Michael Jordan being in a kayak. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? Not that I'm some mega superstar, but when something comes out, no one fucking knows who I am with a beard. Oh, that's helpful. I disappear. You get to try play Santa Claus one time. That'll go that out the window. Window. Yeah, that's been done. So off limits. Territory. We were watching the Santa Chronicles. My kids love it. They're watching. I go, you know, St. Nick and I took an airplane ride. <laughs> 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 All right. I love you guys. Good luck with everything. Great Everybody who watched Monarch and America, Legacy and Monsters Dex. out on Apple. Oh, and go see Night Swim. Oh, yeah. Right. Drink Lake Hour. What's your fucking wine? Gogi. G-O-G-I. Which is what you called grandma? Gogi was my nickname growing was up. Was your nickname. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. your paw in the house, I remember. Uh -huh. Okay. So Gogi. Lake Hour, Night Swim, Monarch. You guys also have an amusement park over here in Toledo, Ohio. Giving Branson so a run for its money. <laughs> yeah, you're running for the sheriff. Festival of Lights. Yeah, <laughs> running for sheriff. In the small town in New Mexico. Uh, all right, adore you guys. Good luck with everything. Stick around for the fact check. Because they're human, they make lots of mistakes. Who's this for? This is for Kurt and Wyatt. Oh, fun. Your friends. My friends. What a delight that was. Yeah, really fun. Did you have any expectations? Well, I know you love Kurt so much. Yeah, yeah. And you always speak so highly of him. So I knew he'd be fun. Yeah. But, you know, you never know what you're going to get with a father-son duo. Oh, totally. The one thing I didn't say, which was the first thing I wrote down. Yeah. But it felt like it would have slowed the momentum, was if 
I imagine going on Kimmel, like I was watching them on Kimmel. Mm-hmm. If I imagine going on Kimmel with Lincoln, yeah, it sounds like the funnest thing I could ever do. If I imagine going on Kimmel with my father, it right. sounds like the worst thing I could ever Great do. Great point. And then as I like, I'm like, well, well, like, well, I can't really answer that even if I ask it once we were there. But I just, it's a, it's a really kind of tall order to expect a father's son to go out and Do this. Yeah. Especially with these specific dynamics. I mean, Mm -hmm. you did bring up, you did say you must get so sick. He was talking about somebody else asking a question about what's it like seeing your dad on set or whatever. And then you said you must get so sick. Also like every, I think the thing too he was referencing is like every single thing was like, what's your dad passing on to you so you can, you know, it's very much like he needs to learn something from Kurt. Yes. Which would be so true, especially in my 30s. I know. It's like still this. (laughs) I know. It is funny though, and this wasn't planned, but it's it's kind of a fun accident, happy accident. We're about to have some people on who are kind of behind, more behind the scenes of duos. Oh, right, 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 right. About yes. to have a couple. And I think it's a very interesting uh, person to be in this world because yeah. both of these people we have coming up are doing amazing, right? Like they, yeah. it's not that they're- They're leaders in like their trudging. industry. They are. They're leaders in their industry, but so many people don't know them. I mean, I guess, can I, can I spoil? We never spoil, but I, I'm going to spoil. Okay. Even though we've never done that. Well. But I want to because it's, it's relevant. <laughs> Although it's super different. I'm going to I'm gonna argue it's super different, but go ahead. Go ahead and spoil it. Okay. No, it's different than Kurt and Wyatt. It just reminds me. Father, son, me. mother, daughter. Of course. Yeah. Phineas. We're going to have Phineas on. Yes. Um, incredible music producer who produces His all of sister. Billie Eilish's music and happens to be her brother. Yeah. And... They were just at the Golden Globes because oh, okay. they were nominated and they won. But that's why I want to bring it up. Okay. So on the red carpet, we were watching the red carpet. Billy and Phineas were together. They were yeah. talking to an interviewer and the interviewer was only talking to Billy. Right, 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 right. And at one point, Billy was like, Phineas, what are you wearing? Like uh-huh. she had to pivot it. But yeah, he's just like, he's just standing. And he's, I'm, we'll find out. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he's seemingly very cool and chill, but how weird, especially to be the older brother, huge, like her stuff is not happening without him. Sure. But she's the face of the stuff. Yeah. You know, the writer of the movie is completely unknown, but Leonardo DiCaprio saying the words, that's who we get to see. So that's who we develop a relationship with. So that's who we're interested in. And so the interviewers got this job of like, they're supposed to give the content people watching the show want. That's what they're there to do. They're not there to write the scales of, right? They gotta Mm -hmm. like, the person that I have had an attachment to is generally who I would wanna hear from. But I mean, I'm super excited to talk to Phineas because I think he's like a phenom. He is. Yeah, 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 That's what I'm saying. He's But like Jimmy Iovine was never, even though he's producing Bruce Springsteen's album, no one's knowing who Jimmy Iovine is for 40 years until he creates beats and sells it. And same with all of these legendary music producers. People don't even know what Quincy Jones looks like. He's the most successful musician to ever well, live. Well, people do though. And there's like a whole doc on on both of those people. Like they're, they have their- But if you have Quincy and Michael Jackson on the red carpet, mm-hmm. you gotta ask Michael Jackson questions. 
I don't, I mean, I guess I disagree. I think it, I think both can happen. And not only do I don't, it looks weird. Like it's uncomfortable. If you feel uncomfortable and you feel that the person feels uncomfortable, mm-hmm. that like, it's not like she brought her brother. She didn't bring her brother to right, the Grammys. Right, right, right. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to talk to him. But anyway, just the dynamics of family. Yes. I find very fascinating. Oh yeah. I'm trying to think, yeah, what if you and Neil had to go share a bunch of attention and Yeah, it would be it would be hard, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Although there's a ton of uber successful and in the industry very known music producers but people are in general don't know who made michael jackson's music they don't know you know they just don't know Mm -hmm. i doubt their expectation is that like mark ronson how many enormous hits had he put together before we started knowing his name it's like I have to imagine that's your expectation it would seem crazy to have a different expectation that you're going to be as well known as the star that the song the star it's not about being as well known it's about being treated like a person there right but a red carpet is not i mean the whole thing is is completely inane and ridiculous mm-hmm. yeah to just stare at people talk to them for 35 seconds so you can see how pretty they look what they're wearing so yeah. we're acknowledging that's what that thing is so i don't think like you I think it would be an unrealistic expectation to think that this thing, the red carpet, which is already riddled with issues, sure. that that should be a place where everyone's going to get equal time and shine. It's about dresses and who's popular. I mean, that's what a red carpet is about, Better for better or worse. that That is what it is. Yeah, it is. You feel bad for him because yeah, he's I don't so think it talented. has to be that way. I mean, I think it, I'm not saying that it has to be like I ask one Billy question, then I have to ask a Phineas question, then I have to. It's not. It's just like acknowledge, just like a yeah. little acknowledgement is, right. I think, enough. Yes. Anywho, but I am very, very excited to talk to him. But the Carton Wyatt thing is much different. But still, Wyatt has to talk about his. Dad and mom a lot. And if you watch the show, well. And sister. And like, it's Uh there's so much. (laughs) His whole family. Yeah, everyone except for the oldest brother, who's I think a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Yeah, interestingly. That was funny. And that, you know, I only know that because I watched a bunch of interviews with the two of them and they talked about everything. And then Wyatt was always really kind to say, well, our brother Bill is actually a really good therapist. He's not. And then he'd always bring that in. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting way to be. But then Wyatt did say he thinks of it in very black and white terms. You just don't care. <laughs> you just like you, you decide. Can. Yeah, you got to it. you got to just decide not to care. And Kurt had some really cute dad moments like he's a really good ball player these things that dads do which is so cute it is really cute it's cute it's also cute what dad's like you know like (laughs) yeah he loves what a good athlete he was yeah well they love to brag about their children Uh, yes just bragging about lincoln's volleyball skills yeah they're great i mean they're not great but for a first time it was pretty good yeah i felt like all the kids actually were who were playing mm-hmm. were 
good. Like, yeah, good well, enough, the, getting it over the net. The Weekly Girls were the star, if I'm being honest. They're older, but still. The Weekly Girls, which was really fun to see because, obviously, Aaron was such a phenom athlete. Yes. Anything he tried. And those girls had never played volleyball. And every time, the oldest daughter, she was good for four points, which nobody there was on that team. Genetics are real. They're very, very real and strong. What else? What? So we're both wearing green. Mm-hmm. We had a guest that didn't show up today, which is a bummer because I'm wearing the beautiful beautiful sweater sweater that um wobby wobble oh yes gorgeous you look like this rob i got two independent compliments on this just being around today like anna walked in she's like oh what's that sweater or sweatshirt i don't know what you call it very cute i get yelled at for calling it the wrong thing most of the time (laughs) yeah it's a pullover i pull it over my head it's a sweat it's clearly a sweatshirt it's a a great sweatshirt think about it i was excited to be in pictures in it you can wear it again I'm going to probably wear it more than <laughs> once in my life. Oh, we got to amortize the cost. Mm. <laughs> Price per wear. It's a real thing. Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. Is that a term in the fashion world? Yeah. Oh, tell me about PPW. it. PPW. Oh, PPW. Yeah. It an acronym. It's a, actually an um, economics term. Okay. Econ. Okay. Econ 101. Mixed with fashion. The more you wear it, the price of it goes down. Yeah. So this sweater, let's say it was... $400. Okay, let's say it is. Let's say. Okay. And I've worn it probably at least 10 times. Okay, so we're down to it's a $40 sweater exactly. per, per wear. Yeah. Yeah. It's only $40, this sweater, actually. And the more I wear it's going to be $0 so soon. Well, there is a way that that actually does make sense. Because if you do buy a sweater for $100, but it only lasts for one year... Exactly. If you really do get five times the amount of wears out of it, then it really is. That's really relevant. I got to own something though. If I sound a little grouchy, it's because I spent so much time researching today's guest, like six hours uh, with the movie I watched and all the different stuff. Maybe not six, five. And they didn't show up. So I'm a little cranky about that. I just want to, if if I sound cranky in my voice, I want to acknowledge it. Because that, that's a little bit frustrating. Of course. Of course but, it's uh, frustrating. But I'll live. Will it you? just happened. It I just happened. Maybe you could play some volleyball later and, and oh. Re- oh. literally rebound. Oh, another thing happened too. I can't get specific about it, but someone reached out who's on a show who wanted me to know that this joke was being told about me. And then. What? Yeah. And it was this old joke that like Kristen had to pick the third option and then uh, you know, all this stuff. What? Yeah. I'm so over that. the story. Like of it's course. 17 years in. Let's uh, move on from the story. I know I fulfilled the Kevin Federline role for a while, but I was a little annoyed to see it was still percolating in a writer's room also, to, to this day. Yeah, that's insanely old, low-hanging fruit. It's like not even a good... Yeah. It's not even relevant or like what? When I was feeling the, my most confident throughout it, I was like, actually, you know, I hope they air it and I hope it just doesn't doesn't land. even land because yeah. that is like doesn't it work. It won't. Now. So yeah, that I'm was sorry. in the morning. That sucks. Then there was like five or six hours of research. But um we're gonna turn it around. I'm sorry about that. I don't like that. Yeah. I had and a that whole would thing. Bu- really bum me out. I complained. Yeah. Then I got really Barbie and like, fuck this person. What's Barbie mean? Barbie the doll? No, like a barb. Oh, oh, like, oh, like oh. You got, you got like. Like a thorn. I got thorny. Got it. And then I had written that and then I wrote, sorry, 
just venting. Thank you so much for telling me. That shows a lot of integrity. You would have shared that with me, and I don't care. And I ended on that, but I had to go through a whole little process yeah. where I was pissed off. And then I was like, I don't even think that joke works. Go ahead and tell it. But it is a sort of a ding, ding, ding to what oh. we're talking about of, mm. of like having this connection. Yes. That like, But that's why it annoys me. It's, I know what it's from. It's a writer who wishes he was with Kristen. He has a crush on Kristen. Yeah. And he's mad I'm with her. I'm yeah. sorry you didn't get her. But like I've never had the thing in an interview because I'm dynamic and she and I together are very dynamic. And yeah. I've never been sitting there thinking like, oh, God, this, no one's interested in me here. Like yeah. I've never even had that experience since we met. Mm -hmm. So all the stuff online, that's, you know, it exists like there. It's never existed in real life. It's yeah. not like we're moving through the world and people are like dramatically more interested in her than me. So no. I, Do you think in, in some way you like I understand obviously why this person texted you that yeah do you, would you rather just not know that's yeah yeah i would rather not know because i wouldn't have seen this show right although when this stuff happens it gets to me people you know it's a episode with my mom and someone's writing in the comment did you hear the joke about you on such and such like mm -hmm. I, I well now i have <laughs> you know? right like this happens all the time like so and so was blasting you on their podcast. I'm like, okay, I didn't, I hadn't listened to it. I wouldn't have known about that. Yeah, I prefer not to because exactly. I don't want to dislike someone I've never met. Exactly. And who knows why they said that? And just in general, yeah, I would rather not know you. Yeah, I would rather not know. Yeah. I, I that's my well, whole I philosophy. That's why I don't. Me. That's why I think looking at the comments is dangerous because I'm happy in life, <laughs> and then when yeah. I look at that, I'm not. So right. why would I have? That's unless that's not good for right. me. Although to combat, yesterday I was listening to a podcast, and and these people were doing an AMA. Uh -huh. Not ask Elizabeth me anything. Um. Yep. Ask me anything. And someone had asked them, what are your favorite podcasts? Uh -huh. And the guy, he was like, I was just recently listening to the Jada Pinkett Smith episode of Armchair. And he said, Dax is a really good interviewer. Oh, that's nice. And he's like, he's really smart. That's nice. But then did you feel like Phineas? Um, no. I don't think. Because he was kind of because he was talking about the specific episode I think maybe if it, if he was just in general, like, the show's so good, Dax is so good, and, like, just was all, then yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah then yeah, I would. Yeah. But, um, but I didn't in this case, and okay. I was happy to hear. Just sneeze. Bless your heart. Thank you. I got the coolest birthday card from Kristen's mom. What is it? That just made me think of it, because when she says bless you, she says... So some, well, no, I think there's something about Jesus in oh. there somehow. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, a, sure. it's a longer version of it. I want to get these cards for people now. It says 1975 on it. Uh -huh. Did you see my story? Or no. I had, there was a list of famous. Oh, I did, I did, I did, I did. <laughs> that I was did. from that card. Oh. So the card is like 1975, everything that happened, like things that happened in 1975, tons of ads for like spam and cereal. <gasps> and, oh, that's cool. And then the um, average wage of a teacher and a loaf of bread and gas. Do you know what gas was in 1957? Um, in 19 I'm sorry, 1975, I just gave away the answer. Uh, it was oh. 57 cents. Wow. Yeah. 
Also, I didn't think you were giving away the answer. I thought you were just flipping 75 on accident. And that also might have happened because it also might be 59 cents. Whatever it was, it was sub 60 and it was wow. in the 50s. <laughs> and then it listed like um, who won the World Series, um, stuff about the president, Gerald Ford. You know, he, wow. he was, a, there were two assassination attempts on him, both women. Oh, isn't that curious? And I, I mean, I want to, I want to like a sociologist to explain that to me. Yeah, unnatural. Like, what did he trigger? Because you don't hear about a lot of female presidential assassins, or even assassins, just in straight real up life. assassins. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Do Do you think he knew them? Personal beefs? No, no. Two mistresses. One of them was like in the Manson world. I think. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Like I love that. When have you ever gotten a birthday card and looked at it for forty five minutes? That was my whole evening two nights ago. It was like reading every little detail of nineteen seventy five. Wow. Oh my god! A ding, ding, ding! What? This made me so excited. What? Do you know what company was started in New Mexico in nineteen seventy five? White Castle. Microsoft. Oh, Billiam Gates. Billiam Gates. Don't you feel Green. like Microsoft was created in the 80, like in 80, yeah. 1980 or something? Yeah. I, it seemed a little early. Also, it huh. said in there that in 1975, IBM released a personal computer and it was uh, 50 pounds. Oh my God. 50. In your lifetime. That's insane. Yes. Ugh. Microsoft wasn't a thing. The personal computer was 50 pounds. Nice. Cass was 57 cents. And there were female assassins around every corner. Wow. What a year to be born. Cool year. Yeah. And then that list in back was famous people born in 1975. That's so funny. I like that. I want one. Yeah. yeah. But back up. I have not been shouting out Fargo season five enough. It's great. This is imperative. I need that to do Everybody that. watch Fargo season five. Listen, you do not need to have seen any of the previous seasons that they're not related at all other than they're set in Fargo theoretically mm -hmm. they're all in different time periods this season and how rare is this this is the best season yeah it's my favorite season so far by a lot really? it's, yeah. it's one it's ever I think it's of I, the show I want to be careful because yes. <laughs> no, I love hate the Patriots so much and a few but it's certainly in a tie for the best season of a show I've ever seen it's what yeah the main yeah. character this season is incredible oh all of the characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. The set pieces, the action set pieces are mind scrambling. Mm. They're so good. Okay. Okay, so I just, everyone needs to watch Fargo. Okay. People on Fargo, come on the show so I can fillet you and celebrate this Don incredible Hale. accomplishment. Noah Hawley, I'd love to chat with. Uh, John Han. I want to say John Handsome because it's so, it's so good. It's a great nickname, John Handsome. And, and then Juno Temple, do you already know about her? Yeah, I mean, she's from, uh, well, she's from so much, but Ted Lasso. Right, which I, I don't watch. So to me, she was, I'm just meeting her and she's uh, outstanding. Yeah, she's a huge deal. What a great show. So anyways, I'm waiting patiently for the new episode to drop. Which oh, it's I'm, weekly. Yes, I'm waiting impatiently. But they're on, we're up to what, episode eight? So yeah. you could start it now and you would be perfectly landing when the last episode comes out. Okay, I'll do it. Yesterday, we didn't, we recorded an episode with somebody and and this person and One of the I, most fun episodes we've recorded. <laughs> this is really oh fun. Oh my God, it was a riot. She's awesome. Yeah, what a riot. 
her and I had a lot of things in common we were realizing. Yes. And then what? But then she said, I don't watch much TV. And then you said, oh, that's where you two diverge. And I said, I don't watch much TV. And then you said, yes, you do. Yeah. And it was a fight. Uh Um, But I really, I, I, I don't. Have you seen White Lotus? Yeah. I mean, I've, it's not that I don't watch TV, but I don't watch a lot of TV. Like, I am one, I'm half an episode into The Curse. Uh-huh. I haven't seen Fargo. I am not consuming everything. Right. I, I used to, but it's fallen off. Really? I don't watch much at night anymore at well, all. Content has fallen off. If you're not, like, there was a great period. You watch Beckham, though. I watch Beckham. I watch yeah, Squid like there was Game. a period of docs. You watch the Squid Game. Yeah, I'm not. Again, yeah. I'm not saying that I I don't watch TV. You don't watch the most. I'm watching more for sure. But I would. We yeah. have to say you watch a lot of TV. You've seen all these. Series. I guess it's like I guess on the spectrum. I don't watch TV every day. Right. Or every night at all. Right. There's I'll cooking binge. YouTube videos. Exactly. To watch. Yeah. I am doing that. I'm right. like listening to podcasts before bed or. Watching, yeah, cooking videos or whatever. So that's. I've been, I've been trying to do a couple nights of reading before bed. Well, that's very pleasant. I know, but. It's it, really nice. I do like that. I don't do it. <laughs> right. I want to do it and I don't do it. Well, the YouTube videos are too good. So often just, I'm just listening to podcasts. Right. Well, the podcasts are really good. I know. They're too good. They're too good. What's a young girl to do? I mean, I she should read her book. Because that was her resolution. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. There's facts. not very many facts. Okay. But Wyatt makes his violins. Sure does. And so we were talking about the Stradivarius. You were saying one doesn't get played very much or you had been reading The one that's that. most valuable apparently has been played the least amount. Because unlike other Stradivarius violins such as the Milstein, the Lady Blunt has not been regularly played. Oh. As such, this Stradivarius has experienced few of the degrading effects of constant playing that some other historical violins have suffered. Mm-hmm. The unplayed Lady Blunt Stradivarius violin. Unplayed. Wow. It's a weird thing if you're not playing it. Yeah. It's a very weird. It is weird. It is. Does like it even favorite. sound good if it's not being played? Well, it probably sounds the best. Well, it sounds like nothing because there's no sound. It was interesting to hear him say that they all sound different, though. Well, yeah, each the individual wood one is what it is. And then, yeah, the Messiah is the one that Wyatt mentioned, made in seventeen sixteen. Oh, unplay. Hold on. You can see the Messiah violin today. It is on display at the Ashmolean Museum as a centerpiece of their collection of musical instruments. It was made in seventeen sixteen by the most famous of all violin makers, Antonio. Stradivari, Stradivari of Cremona. It is indeed a Stradivarius, a Strad, the most perfect example from the hands of the man to make the most beautiful sounding instrument the world has ever known. Rest in a glass case. Mute symbol of perfection and sound, unplayed forever. It has never been played. What? It was kept. How do we know it has the best sound? Exactly. <laughs> I, oh. This is a paradox. It was kept by Stradivari himself in his workshop. It's perfection such that he wished never to part with it. Kept after him by his son Paolo. Sold on Paolo's deathbed in 1775 to Count Cosio de Salabiu, a collector who never touched it. Bought from him by Jean-Baptiste 
Jean Baptiste. <laughs> yeah. Jean oh, he gets hands on. I didn't know he had that much money. <laughs> Jean Baptiste Vuillam, a violin maker and collector who kept it under lock and key, but told everyone of its worth, causing it to be named Le Messie because, like the Messiah, its coming was eagerly awaited but never seen. It may possibly have been heard once at the London World <laughs> Exhibition of 1862, where in a competition organized by himself, he entered an unidentified violin anonymously, which was declared superior to all others played against it. The Messiah did eventually come to London, exhibited in 1871 at the exhibition to celebrate the opening of the Royal Albert Hall, but still it was not heard. Bought at last by the London dealers W.E. Hills and Sons, it was those sons, Arthur and Alfred, who quite rightly bequeathed it at last to a museum where its perfection could remain unchallenged forever. Wow. The mythical status of this unheard and yet peerless instrument is, of course, a romantic trope. While all of the history oh, recounted oh, above, trope. I know, excuse me. While all of the history recounted above is true, it is also catched in terms right which betray its romantic intent. Whatever, it's real. It's real. Yeah. It did make me think of something I learned today in my research. Jim Crow laws. Mm. We hear it nonstop. Mm-hmm. When you hear that, what like, you, who is it? Yes. Do you think who is Jim? What do you think? What does that mean? I think it's a slave. Okay, great. What do you think it is, Rob? It's an old white racist man. So I thought it was probably named after the person who wrote the these laws, yeah. or at least the blueprint of these segregationist laws. And I think more what you're right more in that it's it was just a racial pejorative of the day. So it's like saying the Negro laws wow, or yeah. the something laws, yeah. like a John Doe. But, but, but racial, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess they were calling black folks Jim Crow, mm. referring to them as Jim Crow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I've been. I, it's so crazy how long I've been dying to know where that's from, and either didn't look it up or never found the answer. I have that with Davy Jones Locker too. Like Davy Jones Locker is this thing that always gets bandied about in any kind of um, pirate story. Uh-huh. You'll be with Davy Jones Locker. Oh. What the fuck does that, like, what, who's Davy Jones? Right. Is he a Where's, big pirate? Why is it his locker? What is it? Did you find out? Do you want the answer? Yeah. It's a metaphor for the oceanic abyss, final resting place of drowned sailors and travelers. Yeah, so I know that. That's, like, implicit in the way they use it in these pirate movies, but why on earth that name? Patron Saint, Saint oh, David. Here we are getting somewhere. Oh, Davy Jones. Whom they believe saves them from the ocean's harsh nature. Okay. St. David will only protect the good sailors That's while the immoral seafarers would be sent to Davy Jones. Locker. That helps. He was a saint. Ah. Who looked over seafarers as the saints do. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well. Oh, last fun thing. Mm. Do you remember how I mistook... Acorn for acorn. Yes. My whole life. Yes. Just to refresh everyone, I was reading a book with next to Brie in bed one day, and yeah. I read the word acorn. Yeah. And I said to her, "What is a fucking acorn?" Yeah. And she's, and she's like, like, "An acorn. An acorn. <laughs> they fall out of an oak tree." And I'm like, "An acorn." <laughs> I yeah. certainly thought I was alone in this. Yes. We made sweatshirts. Also, Aaron thought Silent But Deadlies were called Silent But Ellies. Yep. 
And my friend Dean thought the Jake Isles band was the Jake Isles band, sure. like Islands. So mm-hmm. we had a sweatshirt with these three things on it. And then Kristen just forwarded me in the dictionary. And acorn is now a word to represent misunderstood words. No way. Yes. So I, I've got a lot of relief from that thinking, well, clearly a lot of Common. people thought an acorn was an egg corn if that's wow. the colloquial term for misunderstanding a word now. Yeah, wait. I, I want to look up common. Here are a hundred eggcorns. This is from NPR. Right. Okay, let's see. Eggcorns, the, the gaffs that spread like wildflowers. Another thing coming is not, it's another think coming. No, no, no. Ano- yeah. You've got another thing coming? Is it's, it's you've got another think coming? <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> I think it's the reverse. Maybe it's a Another thing coming say. instead of another think. Though many say it's the other way around and another thing is more arguably more common now. So it was originally another think coming. Oh my God, you got another think coming. <laughs> like you're going to rethink that later and be embarrassed. I guess so. Wow. Okay. Kind of like a uh, revenge is a dish best served cold. <laughs> we figured that out recently. We need a spinoff podcast where we... <laughs> We figure out what all these words we're saying mean. Biting my time. That's biting common. My tongue. Because it's it's biting my time. B-I-D-I-N-G, but people think it's B-I-T-I-N-G. Oh, I yeah. don't ever say that. Biting my time. Me either. Well, no. I would say biting my time. <laughs> You'd say biting as a, no, a, not biting. Um oh my god, some people think it's calipitter. <laughs> no, I have a hard time relating to that one. <laughs> I would think you would be able to relate to that because that's well, just like a mix-up of letters. I can relate in that I stumble over a lot of words, but I've never been unclear about that one. Okay, buck naked. Is? It's buck naked, Butt right? naked. Buck naked and butt naked are both? Again, this I is one. Both. Again, this is, the, some people say the other way around. Oh. Uh. Okay, some people think bondfire. Yes, in bombfire. Oh, oh, or I don't, bonfire. Ain't. Bonfire, but pe- some people think it's bonfire. Oh, um, I've said both for sure, and bombfire. You've said bombfire. I've never well, heard. Well, because that, that seems real literal. <laughs> One of them is diarrhea. <laughs> oh, that's how the New Yorkers say diarrhea. Yeah, that's it is because <laughs> yeah, of diarrhea. diarrhea. I fucking came oh. and there's diarrhea all over the fucking floor. I hate this dog. Also, this is very common. People think it's duct tape. It is D-U-C-T tape. It's duct tape. Yes, yeah. we're an air duct. Yeah. But they think it's D-U-C-K? Yeah. That makes sense. Easy. Easy. Um, no shame there, guys. A scapegoat. Wait, I think it's a scapegoat. It's scapegoat. Yeah. A scapegoat. People think it's... S- they think it's escape. Yep. <laughs> I feel like I'm rewriting that admittance essay with Lincoln right now, which I did for four hours on Sunday. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. This is common. This is good. A lot of people think it's flush out. Yeah. This, it, I used to make this mistake. And it's flesh out. Flesh out. Yeah. yeah. This is good for people good to stuff. hear. Yeah. Um, espresso, espresso. <laughs> this is, you're in a rabbit hole now. Frustrated, frustrated. Right. People think it's frustrated. No, but I always grew up saying frustrated. My family says frustrated. No R at the beginning. Oh. And Brie broke me of that. Um, like, you know it's frustrated, right? You know it's frustrated. I was frustrated. I, and I'm now frustrated with this conversation. 
Oh, some people think it's earbuds instead of earbuds, <laughs> <laughs> which makes sense. Tons it's kind of like acorn. Like yeah, yeah, that's almost like the best. Oh, and some people think it's happy as a clown, but it's oh, happy as a clam. Someone thinks it's happy I get as a clown. again. I get that because mm-hmm. well, how do we know that clams are even happy? Well, they're smiling. That's why. <laughs> yeah, they they're have, always they smiling. Like built with a smile. Um. Okay, elicit a response. It's it is elicit a response, but it's E L I C I T. The most we're missing the most common one. What? Which is for all <laughs> intents and purposes. Oh, for yeah. For all intents and purposes. Yeah. People say intents and purposes, but it's intents and purposes. People think it's intensive purposes. Yeah, there you go. Intensive. For all intensive purposes. I think I thought that for a long time. Sure, that's an easy one. That's easy. <laughs> Um, Again, no shame. Some people think Heimlich remover. Well, we should have some shame with that one. (laughs) (laughs) We should have a shame scale for these. Oh, some people think jigsaw puzzles. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. Jigsaw puzzles. Just deserves. Just desserts? Yeah. I've never heard. What is that? How would you use that? Well, she got her just desserts. Like she reaped what she sewed. Oh. Poetic. What do they call it? Justice. Justice. Poetic justice. Just deserves sounds like it would be right. Yeah, because she got what she deserves. Oh, no. Some people think it's laptop. (laughs) For what? Laptop. (laughs) Some of these people just have dyslexia. That one you should feel shame. Well, no, because they probably have dyslexia. I feel like autocorrect has solved some of these. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, some people think it's lesser of two equals. That Which is I, impossible. I that's a, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> if they're equal, one can't be lesser. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> lesser of two equals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mute point, mute point, huge. Huge. I definitely huge. grew up saying mute point. Oh, huge. Nerve wrecking or nerve wracking. Mm. I say nerve wracking. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, mm-hmm. nerve wracking. You can see where nerve wracking works. Oh, some too. people think it's nip it in the butt. Wow, those are perverts. <laughs> so you say that. that? Yeah. I'm going to start. Uh-huh. Nip it in the butt. We got to nip this in the butt. I want to nip everything in the butt. Plate mats. Oh, I think I do think a mats. lot of people. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people think it's pre-Madonna. P-R-E dash Madonna. Right. And it's prima Donna. Oh, put me in the former camp. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. I'm starting to get really sad for Aaron and Dean. Because we're not seeing Bedellis on oh, there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that's going to make this. Or the Jake Isles band. Cut. Well, that was a super common one. Jake, uh, the Jake Isles band. Scandally clad. Scantily. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Some of these self of steam. Oh, <laughs> you should feel shameful. <laughs> that should lower yourself. What was it? <laughs> self of scale. steam. That should lower your self of steam. Sky scratcher. <laughs> Come on. No way. It's a whirlpool. Nope. <laughs> I mean, I can see it. I no, can see it. These don't even sound like the other Oh, things. this one for sure. Okay. Take it for granted. I'm Yeah, this is a tough one. I don't even know where I land. Hunt, on that. Well, <laughs> granted is the one. And what do they say? Take it for granted. Oh, granite like the the stone. Yeah, but a lot of people say that. Okay. Um, I say take it for granted. Umbrella. Oh. Oh, a lot of people make this mistake, and I always feel embarrassed. Like, I don't want to correct them, mm. but a lot of people say valedictorian. Valedictorian? Yeah. Is, am I saying it right or wrong? You said it right. Valedictorian. Okay. 
the people. My base assumption is I'm saying everything wrong. So like, you're doing pretty good. None of these would be bikinis. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) bikinis! Just spelling errors. I fucking come out of my bikini. There's diarrhea everywhere. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. Uh, vim and vinegar. Nope. That's this is a tough one. Vip and vinegar. There's this. This there's a few of these. There's vim and vinegar and vip and vinegar. No, it's vim and vigor. Vim and vigor. (laughs) Vim and vigor. It's vim and vigor. What about vip? Type in vip and vip and vigor. It's not. It's vim and vigor. Vim and vigor. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, common. Wet your appetite. Oh yeah. What's wrong with that? It's w h e t. W H E T, but you can't hear the difference. Between no, W-H-E-T. but it says if people are writing it, they would write oh, they it wrong. They would write it wrong. Yeah, I would definitely write W E T your appetite. Yeah, and then I'd say yeah. nip it in the butt. It's like peak, not nip it in the butt. <laughs> you got to nip your appetite in the butt. Like peak your interest. That I happen to know just because I write so much. P I Q U E. Yeah. But I didn't know. I of course I thought it was P E A K. Windshield factor versus windchill factor. A wind chill factor. Uh-huh. And they say windshield. Yeah. Okay. That was a great list. <sighs> Look at that. We just we struck gold. We really we're, did. We were in the mine. We were chop, chop, chop. That's good because I didn't really have any more facts other than when he mentioned Pinot Poodle. Oh, that was a fun one for you. And by the way, you could have chosen to get offended by that. And I was happy you chose to enjoy that. Wait, why would I Because I could see a feminist going like, I'm not a Pinot Poodle because I like Pinot. Oh, Noir? Oh. Oh, I didn't even think about that. You call girl, you know, that's a a poodle. You would not call it, he's not calling dudes Pinot Poodle. Are you sure? He might call he might call his dudes who like. I the liked peanut. it, so I don't want to yeah. shine too much of a light on it. But I was just like, when he said it, I immediately checked in with you. I'm like, I hope this goes well, and oh, you were very happy. And I then, didn't, and then I was really happy. Yeah. I guess I assumed he would call anyone that. Are you a Pinot poodle? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it happened again. Yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> Good. I want to be one, but I want my friends, male friends, who are into Pinot to, to be called Pinot poodles too. I just it don't is, know very many. It is interesting that dogs can somehow represent different genders. Poodle mostly. Yeah, it's like female. Yeah, yeah but it's because people it's put like they don't bows on their male. hair and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and they have the, they're, well, and they have big feminine hairstyles generally when you see them. But in why the is it feminine? Oh, you mean the way it's cut? The way human females have done their hair conventionally versus guys. Yeah. In the sixties, guys didn't have like a big poufon with a thing at the top. You know. I know, but really, it's just curly hair. Like well, Dan they blow and it up and they, yeah. Dan and what's it called? Aaron's dogs. <laughs> Aaron's dogs. Oh yeah, Dan and well, that one's Newman. Newman. They're poodles. No, they're they're doodles. Yeah, I know, but that's a lot of poodle in them. Yeah, half poodle. <laughs> <laughs> and their hair is curly. Yeah. But Aaron says it's so funny every time he's walking those dogs in the neighborhood. By the way, they're both doodles, but the one's a third the size of the other. Yeah. And every time he's walking the dogs, he says just random people are like, what kind of doodle is that? People ask him that? <laughs> yeah, or what he- kind of doodle? Oh. Uh, 
That's cute. I think it's a real community, the doodles. That's, yeah. Dog lovers are like this. Like they they find the breed that's their breed. Represents them, yeah. And then they're obsessed. And they stop Aaron on the sidewalk and say, what kind of doodle is that? Yeah. And he says a Bedelli doodle. <laughs> Bedelli. A Bedelli doodle. <laughs> she does so many Bedellis. Because um, like Molly and Eric, especially Molly, I've been with her when she sees... What are they? King Charles? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's her spirit animal. Yes. Mm -hmm. She'll always stop and have to talk to them about their King Charles. Dog. Absolutely. Irresistible. I feel that way about Brussels Griffins. Mm, or Griffons, Max. Say that. Yeah. They're never as cute. Again, this is the crazy story. The first time I ever saw one that was as cute, I know. they were goddamn brothers. I know. And it was I a can't. person in New York City <sighs> with a fucking Brussels in a basket of a bicycle. <laughs> And he knew everything. And it was Max. It was brother. Max's fucking brother. Of course, I it's can't in the believe jeans. that Back story. Back to the jeans. Ding ding ding. Jeans ding jeans. Sometimes when Eric and I are talking about the sim, we compare it to that story. Does that like, come up? Yeah, he always says, "Not like the brother dog." Okay, good. Yeah. So that's like that's the high <laughs> the water mark brother. for the sim yeah. for him. Yeah, it is strong. It is. But let's not forget the cutest punchline of that whole story is that Brie brought him to New York on a trip and she <laughs> said she couldn't believe how confident he was strutting down the street like yeah. he was clearly home oh. he was back in New York City and he was like Saturday Night Fever just fucking <laughs> running the show he's one inches tall what? what is scary that should be the scariest she's place for alive? a dog we lost him about two months ago oh yeah. sorry he's a good little boy Bilby we called him Bilby. Oh, man. Yeah. That Bilby. is sad. He's the sweetest little fucking Did guy. you cry when you heard? I didn't because it was accompanied with all these great photos. Like it it started this chain between Bree and Kristen and I of like photos we had of Mac looking ridiculous. Because he kept getting himself in the raccoon trap one yeah. time. Where <laughs> Couldn't stay out of the right country. And then she has all these insane ones where when he's wet out of the bath and different things. But boy, he, you know, he looked a thousand years old by the end. Because I went over to see him last year knowing we're getting towards the yeah. end. I'm like, I want to come spend some time. And she had to just lift him off of an area in the house and then carry him out to the couch. And he just sat there. Mm. And he was like, he was just out of gas. But he was still hanging in. Fuck. Oh, Bill. I wonder if he's hanging out with my grandpa. Oh, they would be fast friends <laughs> absolutely mac liked everybody yeah, no enemies he was a very sweet dog and the fastest little bugger i've ever seen <laughs> in my life now one time Aww. on the beach it looked like the scene in superman when he fly he starts superman runs past the speeding train <laughs> like all these super athletic dogs hauling ass and then also mac shot out of nowhere and blasted oh, by him <laughs> did he die in his sleep yeah he died died making love to his wife, okay. just like McConaughey's dad. That's great. Great. <laughs> the dream death. All righty. Right. Love you. Love you. Love you.